Welcome back, Martini Joint fans. This is episode number 91, which is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly by Sergio Leone from 1966. And we pair that with Miami Vice, directed by Michael Mann from 2006. And you may be wondering, what do these two things have in common? Well, they're both guilty pleasures. Uh, Good and Bad and the Ugly is my pick, and Miami Vice is Dan's pick. And you guys probably know that from listening to the podcast. But... Since our birthdays are so close together, we decided that we would do a birthday celebration with those guilty pleasures. So we recorded this around our birthday, so it's actually been uh, a while since uh, we recorded it, but uh, it was a lot of fun doing this episode and to talk about these two films. And surprisingly, we really talked, it was a really lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to talk about it. So really cool that we were able to do that. And we should probably do more like of these and probably do something special for Eric as well for his birthday. Um, so I also want to remind you guys that these, uh, recordings are done on Twitch. As you guys know, when we do recordings on Twitch, you can be part of it. And when we're not actually doing recordings, cause we don't actually, we don't, we don't record podcasts every, every week, but we do try to get on Twitch every week. And when we're not recording a podcast, we're doing a watch party, which we will be doing this Saturday, April 30th at 3 PM Pacific standard time, which is GMT minus eight. Yes, we will be doing Gator from 1976 with Burt Reynolds. I think that's going to be a perfect watch party film. So please join us again. That is Saturday, uh, April 30th at 3 p.m. And our Twitch is twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. So be sure and check that out. And what you'll need to do to be part of the watch party is you'll need an Amazon Prime account. If you don't have an Amazon Prime account, you can still participate. You'll just have to rent the movie someplace, and we'll give you time codes so you guys can be approximately at the same time that we are while we're watching the film. But Amazon Prime, it'll work. Uh, it works natively inside of Twitch, uh, so that's cool. Uh, another quick thing to remind you guys that uh, our Twitter is one of, a great place to get a lot of information from us. So uh, our Twitter handle is at Martini Giant, and also if you go to the top of our Twitter you will be able to get our Discord link, and that Discord link will lead us to your the Martini Giant Discord, which you guys should totally join. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of our fans uh, that are on there, and we're very active on there as well. Lots of ideas for movies that we want to do and all kinds of other things that are going on. And if you are a uh, Twitch subscriber, you get access to the members-only section, which is really uh, kind of cool as well. So that's about it. But now, please enjoy episode 91, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and Miami Vice. Hey, thank you, Jason, for the happy birthday. Thanks very much, Jason. <laughs> we'll share that. We'll split that cake right down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which Eric baked for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is it. You know what's interesting in Bulgaria, when it's your birthday... You have to bring the cake in for everyone. I think that's a good plan, actually, because then you're guaranteed great cake. <laughs> no you get the cake. cake that you want. Yeah, no, no that, sheet cake from Ralph's. No, no, <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> no fucking around, man. Give me the right one. Yep. That, that's, that's a good plan. Sure. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was telling uh, uh, Eric that uh, I went... Uh, Al was having a, a, a garage sale with fly gear, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, it's perfect. I'm going to just go get some fly gear, you know, for my birthday from like, from it's him and several other fly guys that were doing stuff and they were just getting rid of, and they were, they had stuff there that was like, what the, 
like Abel reels and I don't know you guys know that's like T-Bore reels. These are like really like this is the fun, the, the 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 Bentley of reels that 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 they used to make back in the you know fifties and whatever. And, uh, and Bentley and, is a car. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they're incredible reels. And they're like, and I wanted to get an Abel. I had an Abel reel, but it was it was only set up for for right hand retrieve. And so I was like, can they switch it? And it's like, oh no, it's all perfectly made, so they don't come apart. Right. Right. But I did find this Reddington rod. This is an mm-hmm. awesome Reddington rod. It's the crux rod. It's the best rod they make. Literally the best rod they make. It's normally $400 and I got it for 70 bucks. <laughs> That's amazing. For some reason that just flashed to you as the Terminator in the shop with the guns. Saying, oh, yeah. Like, please get me the d- details out all these very specific guns. Yeah. Just like a <laughs> phase plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. Like imagine doing the, 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 fly the same thing. Version that, yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> give me a five weight crux Reddington reel. <laughs> large, large, ar- uh, large arbor, uh, large arbor, uh, Orvis here, large arbor Orvis in a size five with a, uh, uh with a, uh, Rio Grande, uh, Rio Grande elite, uh, uh, floating line yeah. and about, uh, about 150 yards of backing. In Only green Z, pal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't do that here. Casts anyway. <laughs> hey, do you think they stole the scene from the good and bad, the ugly, and the uh, Terminator? Because it's pretty much the same scene. It's the same scene. It's the same scene. <laughs> I love like, that. It's the, it's the low-key version of that same scene. I, thought, I literally thought exactly that when I was watching it this last time. I didn't notice it. Mainly because I had just watched Terminator like two days ago. Thank you like, for the happy birthday, Flan. Oh, thanks, Flan Pinth. Pinth. That's awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I'm gonna... Yep, we're um, um, we we uh, not many people know me and Chris are not born on the same day, but we are almost exactly the same age, and only yes. a few days apart. And uh, uh, and uh, uh, which is, I believe, an, a ripe old thirty-seven. Right, just catching up to Eric. C- catching up to Eric. Whoa, yeah. easy no. cheap shot. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> I was saying thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which mm-hmm. ironically, Eric looks the youngest of all. It's <laughs> very true. <laughs> it's not the years; it's the mileage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the the wonders of the rejuvenation of Xanax. Oh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, work on that. Yeah. All right. How was everybody's week? Uh, well, besides uh, me uh, uh, fishing, uh, oh, I caught a, I caught a. Um, I caught a big carp yesterday in the, in the LA River. Oh, I saw your photo. Yeah, it was a big, was it twelve pound? Said it was probably at least ten. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big ass carp. Yeah, it's a big ass carp. At least ten. It was now, big. is that because it's a well fed carp, or because of all the strange things that are in the water? No, it's the just LA River? no. It, they they just get big. They get big and they're old. That that carp is probably like fifteen years old. Oh, nice, nice. So they just carp are very resilient. <laughs> Apparently uh, so. Yeah. They can they can live through a lot. So and they're they're actually very smart too, which is also challenging. Um, challenging yeah. to catch them because they're just trying to outdo you. And also, well, they they, they figure out things. I'm like, nah, <laughs> that's not real. <laughs> yeah, that's the bullshit right there. This is my first time down the LA River. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. They've got street yeah. cred. They got street cred. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, these 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 carp have like tattoos on them with gang signs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Very tough. A tough fish. A tough fish. <clears throat> but yeah, no, the week was good. I um, um, I got some shooting done, which I was happy with. Nice. Um, and uh, I'm prepping for a a, a two week road trip to Austin. I'm taking in three weeks. Nice. My, uh, my eldest son. We might might be filming things along the way. Might be making something. I don't know. You're gonna see. Um... Go to go to Chilingua, Texas, and recreate the scene from Paris, Texas. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Chilingua, Texas, is the weirdest. One of the weirdest places you'll ever be. It, it makes Martha, Texas, look like a tourist town. <laughs> oh wow! Damn, I've I have never been to Texas, so. It's oh, you never been to Texas? I've never oh. been to Texas. Yeah, it's. I have, uh, <laughs> I have I have epic fantasies about being a cowboy in the 1890s. But are you driving to Austin? Yes. Okay, so take the 40. Don't take the 10. Yeah, the 10. It'll be a little bit boring. longer, but it's yeah. way worth it. Take the 40. Yeah, that's that's what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so then you going. can go by like Meteor, uh, uh, like Arizona. There's a Meteor Park, and then the the the. Uh, you can go to, you can stop at the um, uh, Petrified Forest, which is really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know about this. That's great. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of really cool things along the way that you, you can you can stop by and do a little things here and there. Right. And then, uh, yes, because New Mexico is great uh, through that town and Arizona is as well. And mm-hmm. and then you get towards the end, uh, you get towards the end where you're just about to go into the panhandle of Texas, like around Amarillo, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you go up this plateau like this, mm-hmm. and then it's like the flattest you've ever seen. <laughs> Super flat. <laughs> it's just the pan. How, long yeah. is, how many hours do you think that is? What is that? It's a good 30 hour drive? Like yeah, that. it's about two. It's, it, if you do it, it, quote unquote, leisurely, it's like two and a half days, you two stops. You can do it. And if you do a little bit of stopping and having fun along the way. Yeah, that's the plan. It's going to be loosey goosey. Yeah. And then also, if you go towards in Amarillo, it's really interesting because, like I said, it's completely flat and you see nothing but like, you know, tumbleweeds. And mm-hmm. oh, Cadillac, uh, Cadillac Park is there too, where Cadillac all the Cadillacs. Ranch, yeah. Cadillac oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. That's so you can one. stop there and then you can uh, have dinner or whatever at in Amarillo at the Big Texan. The which, Big Texan. The Big Texan, all which right. is a steakhouse there and uh, home of the 72 ouncer. Jesus, what? Yes. Did they make cows that big? <laughs> the 72 hours. And that you'll be seeing so advertisements much. for the home of the 72 hours for like 400 miles. Like, it's wow. just, And uh, it's really cool. Actually, it's worth a stop there. It sounds super cheesy, and that's exactly why it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, you know, it is a hotel and restaurant. And uh, the, the, or motel, right? But the, the motel has a pool in the shape of Texas. You know, like that's... <laughs> Beautiful. 72 ounces though yeah yeah i know i know if you eat it under an hour it's free <laughs> yeah and yeah but the, it's like john candy that is, that's where is they not. got it from that's <laughs> john candy got it from the big texan that's where it's originally and then uh uh there's when i went there like all the waitresses were wearing like you know dallas cowboy cheerleader outfits from the, like, right. the 70s right so right. and then all still true and the chairs were made out of like uh, like uh, cow horns that are, which strapped together with leather and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's mm-hmm. it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> it's awesome, dude. It sounds like that is my scene. I wonder how expensive that, that steak is, though. I think it's. I don't know what it is now. I don't I remember know, man. when I, I was a lot steak. of money for a steak. I, yeah. I am. I'm into like if steak is if it's good steak, I don't mind paying money for it. That's yeah, right. don't 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 ask for rare, medium rare. Or ask oh, for God. medium rare if you want rare. Because yeah, like right. it's super, 
they they yeah, really they, mean that <laughs> yeah no it's for yeah I, I would expect yeah I would expect yeah but they also have like pretty you know I've, i had rattlesnake there that was pretty good so. uh, rattlesnake's actually pretty delicious yeah yeah yep. yeah there's a place in la uh uh the sausage uh place that used to serve rattlesnake sausage was oh right uh worst yeah. Kirsch. yeah 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 was it it's rattlesnake or was it alligator I think it was alligator. Maybe I'm mixing it up. Yeah, maybe you're right. Anyway, yeah. it's good. They have they have all kinds of interesting things. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the big Texan is a worth. It's worth a stop. I tell you, like I've done this trip a couple of times. I really love it. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, well, I'll definitely have to keep picking your brain on that one. Yeah. And if and by the way, if chat has any suggestions, I'm wide open. We're like I I'm, I have it loosely in mind that we may be filming some stuff on the way. I don't mm-hmm. know whether it turns into a movie or a documentary or anything like that, but it seems like a good opportunity to shoot interesting stuff so we're gonna do that um but i'm looking for anything neat to see there's also the other thing i also recommend uh is once you get through if you want to do something kind of interesting this is this was part of my road trip my my epic road trip i was on this uh, on that area during that time if you are in amarillo look at the map and take in don't take the the interstates down there's actually some highways that are like two-lane highways that go that are more direct to Austin, yeah, you'll go just as fast as on the interstate, and it's oh, going to well, be good. way more interesting. Interesting to see, yeah, 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 definitely. That's what I prefer. Yeah, yeah. All highways look the same. There's no reason to drive. Yeah, drive and the two lane highways in Texas are like that's it. It, it feels like wild at heart, man. It's yeah, <laughs> you know, no time, <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a good trip. Are you going to see Mark? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I just I, I left a message saying that um, hopefully we're going to be out that way. So hopefully I'll hang out with fam. Go like I, I've been dreaming of going there ever since I knew what the um, South by Southwest Film Festival was and uh, the Alamo Draft House, the original one. And uh, like, there's a lot of film stuff I want to see out there. So mm-hmm. that first, the first Alamo I went. That's the first time I ever been to Alamo uh, House is at uh, is in Austin. Yep. Yep. That's the first one that's ever been out. That's ever. That was the first one. I believe it's, I I may be wrong, but I believe I saw a rear window there. Oh, that's That's pretty good. That's pretty fucking dope. (laughs) Yeah. Karen, your wife, Karen from there. She's from Houston. But we used to, uh, we used to go to Austin all the time. You know, it's funny because it's Texas, right? It's like, Oh, it's like the next town kind of right. But it's like four and a half hours. (laughs) Yeah. Texas is, is enormous. It's quite, quite huge. It's twice the size of Spain. Yeah. (laughs) Big. Is it really? Yeah, and when you drive, when you drive from uh, from LA to Houston, right? When you enter Texas, you're only halfway there. <laughs> it's wild, dude. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. it should be a good time. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to try out my um my uh, my Sony uh, A7 III. <gasps> nice. And uh, it takes I I finally shoot, start, shot some stuff in actual. Uh, full 4k on that oh nice um, and it's great uh, it is great yeah that's yeah, a great camera yeah great yep. camera i'm really really impressed Sony, i bought i bought a couple lenses for it uh that are pretty cool and pretty interesting uh mm-hmm. they're by uh and they're cheap by the way so like in case you want to find some interesting cheap lenses mm-hmm. uh they're by a company called samyang okay uh which is actually i think they're they're it, they're actually tamaron lenses mm-hmm. But it's they're Korean, they're right? re- yeah, but they're rebranded as the, the Korea in Korea they're called Samyong, and so they sell them here Samyong, but they're pretty cheap. And I got a a forty five millimeter one point eight 
for like uh like 200 bucks oh shit wow maybe maybe that and then i got a 30 no i got an 18 2.8 for about the same price mm-hmm. okay and they're I have small a fish eye of theirs the samyong yeah i'll have to check that out that's pretty great but uh the reason i did that is because i uh when i bought my i bought the same exact camera you have by the way mm. uh but i bought a um uh when i bought the camera i, I bought a uh, uh what's it called a sigma lens like mm-hmm. one of their art series lenses, which Those was a, nice. Yeah, it was a um, uh, uh, 28 to seven or 20, 28 to 75 or something like that. Um, and it's a 2.8 and it's beautiful and it's great, but it weighs like twice the weight of the camera. It's, it's like, you know, it's really heavy, but. Right. Anyway. But it's, yeah, it's, that is a surprisingly, that's a surprisingly good camera. Like we were shooting in pretty low light. It still was picking up, but like it was still pretty clean. I was like, I was pretty psyched. I mean, the oh, yeah. files are still enormous and a little. Yeah, it's unwielding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the amount of data you get. Yeah, it's pretty huge, but it's it is amazing. So I was quite quite happy about that. I'm gonna turn my <clears throat> it's kind of hot in my house. Like the temperatures changed in LA all of a sudden. It's got hot. Yeah, it, it, it definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, oh, winter's over. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Home run heat. Um, so before we talk about anything, I have to just say I literally just finished watching Licorice Pizza. Oh, oh really? I want to see it. Did it you see it? It's a fucking masterpiece. Oh, I, I want to see it so bad. <laughs> now, how did you watch it? Did you watch it on uh, on? Uh, I rented it on Amazon. Oh, so it's rentable now because it's you right. can yeah. only buy it, and I was going to buy it just for, because I knew I was going to like. That it. That is a very buyable movie. I'm, I'm like this. Is obviously, I'm going to watch this like 25 times. It's incredible. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to buy it. It well, is, I rent uh, it. Yeah, it, it was. It is that is like I'm, and I'm not even a. I'm like I can't even say I'm a Paul Thomas Anderson fan freak because there are movies by him that I don't really get into. Um, but that that one really, really, really hit. It was really great, and yeah. uh, like a, a terrific, I guess, love story is the way to say it. It's extremely bizarre, <laughs> like it's super weird, but not in an annoying way. And it's like it. I was just like, this really captures how fucking weird the 70s were you know yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's such an awesome cross-section of of uh strangeness and uh and the characters are incredible the uh, hoffman's kid is incredible uh the woman they got Justin is incredible kids in it yeah oh, another it's a philip seymour hoffman's kid but, oh uh, that's the that's right yeah he's oh, right I told, insanely I... charming yeah it's great definitely see this movie well, okay. now it, it is a i know that it is a there's a lot of argument on Twitter because uh, there is a racist character in it, and there is a love story between a 15 year old and a 25 year old. So, but I, I will address uh, both of these. One is that I I certainly don't want anyone's feelings to be hurt, but the idea of the scene with the aforementioned character is about making fun of the racist. So. <laughs> That's well, hold idea. on. <laughs> I, I believe I believe that there's a future in which we need to talk about this movie. So maybe we should see. We'll get this. back in. We'll get into that. Because I want to. I want to. I want to watch it. And I want to bring it to the. To, I would to, say to like, Martin Josh. Watch let's, the let's, other characters in the scene, and you'll see what the movie is trying to say. It's like I was. I was a little confused by people's reaction to this. I was like, "Yeah, this guy's a jerk off," but that's why the movie is making fun of him so hardcore. Uh, as you know, like the person who is a like, un- unconscious and ridiculous racist. Right. Um, and so like, I would say 
if you're wondering why I feel this way, it's because I am against racism. And I think it's funny when people are douchebags and don't know that they're being douchebags. Um, and uh, I look forward to talking about this movie. But this was a common thing that used to happen, which is exactly oh, yeah. what I mean, Blazing like, Saddles like, was yeah. all about. <laughs> yeah, like assholes like this, like this guy is just in the, I will go long in the movie, but the character in the movie, it's a very small, it's a side character. And, and it is, he's so, it's so embarrassing and so ridiculous. And the person that he's unconsciously, you know, uh, uh, attacking uh, is obviously like this fucking asshole. Like, the, the, that's, like that's clearly what she's thinking. The movie is on your side, believe me. So people are avoiding mm. it because of uh, Twitter feelings about that, I would say. Oh, well, just... I, do, I do not believe that that is what the movie has in mind. It has the opposite in mind, so please feel free to watch it that way. And the other thing is the it's a great love story, and if it makes you feel super weird, then definitely don't watch Harold and Maude. Yeah. <laughs> that's all i gotta say about that yeah yep there it is there it is but okay great 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 movie we'll talk about it on another episode we'll plug him on another episode obviously you've got a lot of feelings on this mm. uh, however i would like to My say boy. that today is uh uh is uh decided to make it our celebration uh, of uh dan and my birthday who we don't have the exact same birthday but it is days apart and we were literally born days apart from each other because we were born on the same year mm-hmm. So uh, we decided to do a birthday celebration. This was, uh, uh, I think Eric was one of the suggestions that he did. So we decided to do our guilty pleasure movies, the movies that we enjoy watching that are not necessarily seen, not necessarily seen as great masterpieces. How's that? I, well, I, how about, I wouldn't put a spin on that because I don't think there's anything guilty about loving either of these movies. They're both incredibly well-made, beautiful right. But they were both received as trash when they first came out. I think that like, sure. it, was a, it, was a, it was a long uphill road for both of these movies to yes. be seen as good movies. Yes, yes, and, yes. So the two films are Miami Vice, uh, uh 2006 2000 2006 mm-hmm. uh which uh uh was directed by michael mann mm-hmm. um and then the other one is the good and the bad and the ugly yep uh and um i i gotta say like last i watched miami vice which i i had actually hadn't seen it before i don't know if i told you oh that. nice yeah <laughs> so that, really? yeah <laughs> this yeah. is gonna be interesting all right yeah I was, it's i have a lot a lot a lot of things to say on that mm-hmm. um I did enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to <laughs> did hear enjoy that. it quite a bit, but I have feelings about it, but I mm-hmm. definitely did enjoy it. Excellent. And then the good and the bad, the ugly is the movie that I like if it's on, cause it used to be on like TBS all the time, you know, like all, all the time, but it's a long ass movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's it keeps going and going plus, and going yes, and going and going, huge. which is the, in my mind, some people like hate it because it keeps going and going. I love it because it keeps going and going. Oh, it's awesome! It's, right? Yeah, like it, it and the scope gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, but once you get into the, like the Civil War, you're like, just what? <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah, it's extremely insanity. accurate representation of the Civil War. <laughs> the Civil War, apparently, in Italy, Spain. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh so so that was interesting. Uh and then uh but I I decided to watch it last night because I didn't get home till late. Uh I 11:30 and I have this problem, you know, I fall asleep during movies all the time. I was like, I'm about to start a 3-hour movie at 11:30 at night. Yeah. And I right. did. I stayed yeah. up the whole time. Right on, man. That is <laughs> That's how to do it. That's that's how you know we're professionals. That's what we yeah. do for you here on Martini Giant. It was great. Yeah. I was like, oh yes, 
I really do love this movie because I was starting to like, I had this weird feeling. I was like, yeah, it's kind of a stupid movie, but I kind of love it. And then I was like, that's kind of, and then I keep watching. It's like, no, this is fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant. It is brilliant. It's un, unimpeachably brilliant. Yeah. Like, like that, that movie uh, like had impact on movies way outside of Westerns. Right. Like that changed mm-hmm. the course of movies. Like that is an absolute landmark in the history of film without a doubt. So yeah, I, I would say like, it's weird to look back and have people discuss spaghetti Westerns in general as trash. Yeah, they, uh, they, they 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 treat them like they're pulp fiction. Yeah, pulp. it's just like, oh, I guess yeah. if you like that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, uh, you guys are missing the biggest sea change in literally a hundred years. Just start, <laughs> just, yeah, just start with the is. opening shot, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like landscape, and then this <laughs> head pops out yeah, of there, and it's like, but that's like John Ford, though. Yeah, John well, Ford yeah, like that on stagecoach. Oh, you did. I think that like it's everything. But the wideness of the lenses are so amazing. Like Like, I, I think that it stays in the ballpark of westerns and John Ford westerns. I think it's totally true. It's just like it multiplies the effect by a hundred. You know, it's like they instead of you, John Ford would show a tight close-up of somebody, but be using like, you know, maybe a a a a fifty or a sixty, right? And for Leone, it's just like no, 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 no. With a fourteen, we're gonna do this. You know, yeah. so and so when when the when the face comes in, it's like distorted beyond belief, huge, right? No, yeah. yeah, I understand, but just the idea of that frame juxtaposition, like oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Ford was oh Ford's incredible, yeah. But behind that, yeah. But also the deep focus was incredible, incredible. on these, and and the landscape was incredible. The thing that I so okay, so because I had started eleven thirty at night, and then everyone was you know going to bed or whatever, or watching anime or doing something else. Um, I had to, um, I was basically watching it on, it's like, I'm watching it on the big TV. I'm not watching this one on my fucking laptop. Right. And so, which was really cool by the way, because uh, it's, you know, it's very widescreen. Right. And I have my OLED TV and all the lights are off. And so I didn't see anything because all the blacks are perfect. So it was just like this perfect illuminated image in the darkness. Yeah, nice. uh, and then I used my 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 Bose noise canceling headphones, uh, Bluetooth connected to the TV, so they would have a, you know sound through my headphones and not wake everyone up. And that's when I started to like really appreciate the sound in this movie, which mm-hmm. is, I, I it's mostly ADR and Foley. Like it's, it's yeah, it's all it's, dub. Everything is dub. Like, they didn't yeah, record any sound yeah. on set. Did yeah, they? It's completely created in post. All the environment yeah. is. It's an in, incredible sound. Yeah. yeah. It's fully. Some it's people fully don't sound. like that though, but I, I like that kind of style, but yes, some people. Well, be, the, the problem is the that ADR issues. Right. Yeah. Because every sound is at the similar volume. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, it's very, so like uh, the spur is the same as the voice, the same as the breath. Yeah. You know, they're right. all the same volume. Well, this, but, is the, this is the thing is like, I mean, yeah, there's there's movies that have bad dubbing because they're trying to make it fit into something. So like you'll see something get just kind of hacky for a second. This movie is unconcerned, com- completely unconcerned. It's just like, I don't give a shit if the, if the speech matches the mouth. Who cares? 
Right. You know? And which is and some of the characters it does match kind of, and some yeah. of them it doesn't match at all because they probably and weren't even speaking English. <laughs> they're all speaking multiple languages on set. That was yeah. that was this whole thing. It's just got you know Eastwood speaking English, and some people are speaking Spanish, and some people are speaking Italian, and he's just like, who gives a shit? We're all we're shooting all of this MOS. We're gonna dub it all later, and then create the sound environment. And what's really like what's really great about it because I actually love dubbing in movies when things are fully created like that. Even when they're accidental, it's kind of neat. Like in, I've talked about it before, like in Blade Runner. Altman before Altman. Oh yeah, exactly right. And so like the like with uh, in Blade Runner, uh, I've mentioned before, it's like one of the only things I don't like about the final cut, which is my favorite cut of Blade Runner. uh, But they fix the shitty dubbing when Harrison Ford goes to talk to the snake guy, right? Where it was used to be like total hash like he wasn't even like his voice would be happening while his mouth was totally closed saying something completely different i was just like that's the movie there it is leave it alone it's great right um but in this movie and once upon uh brother uh uh good the bad the ugly like they are uh they because like you're saying give equal weight to everything everything becomes really intimate like every single sound every sound like in your ear like flies a uh, church bell, Clint Eastwood, <laughs> yes, yeah. scraping the beard with a knife. Same sound, <laughs> all the same, same, same volume, same volume, same <laughs> emphasis. Yeah, which really makes great. everything feel more special mm-hmm. as a sound. Which was, yeah, I know yeah, people, it's really hyper real. Yeah, it's really I, wild. I just well, this actually that's a good point. Uh, by the way, I do want to acknowledge that uh, uh, EGZ said that he he's only rem- his his memory of this movie is from a worn out VHS tape, which I can. That is actually a an interesting experience. Yeah, yeah I yes. endorse that. I think that's actually like there are movies, there are old black and white movies that I they when they did cleaned up versions of them because I'd only seen them like a late night shitty TV, mm-hmm. and they put out like some Criterion master print of it. I'm just like, yeah, it's missing something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You should um, have the option on every TV now to make it like like a scale of one to ten shittiness. Right, you pick like a VHS, and it crops it, makes it blurry and a little bit twisted. Like, have the experience you want to have. I think that's that's the next step. Isn't that the whole point of Instagram? (laughs) Basically, right? Why not have those filters for you? I literally, obviously, it would be on grainy black and white all the time for me. High contrast, grainy black and white. I told you about the bar in in Burbank, which basically plays all plays a bunch of movies. And I just turned the saturation to zero on all the movies. So good. They do it at a restaurant on Beverly Boulevard. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. What's the name of the place? On Beverly? Taroni. Taroni, you said? Yeah, Taroni. Okay. I'm going to check In this out. And Burbank, it it's called the, the Red Door. The Red Door. Yeah, that's right. I got to mm-hmm. check this out. Yeah. I don't know if people in the audience know, like, I am, I, there are movies that I've watched more in black and white than their original color editions. Oh, yeah. you'll dig it because they only show 60s Italian movies. Oh, I love it. Yeah, oh, definitely nice. done. Everything looks a little bit more interesting to me in old, old, shitty black and white. What was I? Oh, you know what I saw last night was what? Unbelievable. I loved it. Was um, Gucci. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Let me hear about that real quick. Oh, it's uh, just Gaga looked like she looked like an Italian star from from the 60s. Right. Right. She was tall. It was really good. And Adam Driver. Dolce Vita. I love Driver. Yeah. He's so damn good. He's Man. such a great actor. It's unbelievable. Man. It's real. I like the he film a lot. Anything. Jeremy Irons is fantastic. Um, really, really great, great film. I right. liked it. Yeah. And, and Pacino was fantastic. 
Yeah, I was uh, like, I like, I love. Did you see it? I did. I I didn't. It didn't land with me somehow early on, and so it was a little bit of a push to get through the rest of it. But I I totally agree with you, especially on Driver. I think Driver really, like, he Jeez, carries that movie. It. He's yeah. fucking great. He's absolutely great, and it looks great. It's great looking. I'm like, that's one of Ridley's best looking movies. Really, really good. Uh, bit of work there, and I also I, I'm just into the idea of Ridley is what like eighty three. Is he? Yeah, he's he's you know he's way up there now, and he puts out two movies uh, in one year, and uh, and they're some of his most interesting work like ever. Yeah, he did. Uh, what was the other one? The other one's the um uh the one with um Matt Damon and uh, uh about the uh uh this sort of like a the Rashomon style medieval story. Oh, I didn't know that. No, it's really good. Well, I the name's been on my head for some reason, but it's it's a really good movie. It's on HBO right now. But God bless that dude. He's just jamming it out. When did he? Didn't Ridley Scott do his first film at like forty or fifty? Yeah, he did yeah. Alien when he was forty, forty-one, and that was his first film, right? His first film was actually um, uh, the Duelists. Oh, that's it. The last, the last Duelist name of the movie I'm talking about. But the Duelists is uh, is with Keitel and um, uh, and uh, uh, Keith Carradine, and that's very, very good. It's a very good movie. That was in '74, maybe. 70, 74, 75. That's a very good movie. But the difference between that movie and Alien is like the difference between like, you know, Highlander and Lawrence of Arabia. So like, right. it's it's insane how good he got instantaneously. Now he's made made plenty of shitty movies. Also, well, isn't that a little bit like a little bit like Kubrick with The Killer and Yeah, he's making and, these like pretty good film noir movies, right? You know, and then he makes. Like Doctor Strangelove, like sets himself free a little bit. Then after that, he's just Kubrick, right? Because even like I, like even Lolita is still in his old, like that's right. still like an old movie. It's a really funny, excellent movie, but it's still it's a little safe compared to where he goes, especially for the subject matter. And uh, and he just turns on a dime, like especially once he hits two thousand one. He's like, see ya. Yep. <laughs> I'm doing my own thing from now on. That's the end. Yep. Do you think he could have done it without Trumbull? 2001? No way. Yeah. No Do you chance. think that's why he was like, maybe he was like, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be this way or else. No, Trumbull called him. Mm-hmm. Trumbull cold called him. Himself? Mm. Uh, well, I definitely think that Trumbull and Kubrick together was a very important. That was it. Yes. I it agree. was a combination that was necessary for success. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, Trumbull did brilliant work after that, but 2001 is still a fucking high watermark for a lot of this. Stuff. It is. But, but he also like, if you take Trumbull and you combine him with someone who's an amazing person that knows how to visually tell a story. Right. Right. Then like you did Spielberg. You did with Spielberg, Spielberg with, with yes. Right. So that right. was how I was getting at. So that's the only way that's going to work. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's like, I know how to get the vision up there. I know how to do it. You just have to tell me what you want. You yeah. Know? Like Kubrick had about maybe, you know, 60% of the ability that he needed. Yeah. To that's do what I was, I guess my question was, right. yeah. like, did he feel insecure? Like, man, if I, I just have to, yeah, I got to get a but, pro in here. But he right also, the, Kubrick starts with a huge amount of camera knowledge, right? Like yeah. he starts, he's one of the most camera specific people ever yeah. people there yeah. but then trumbull is like takes it to the next level yeah. like here's, yeah, exactly. here's what else you can do with this thing. camera and this lens and whatever oh look at that oh look at this i got a little charcuterie and... yes yes so nice look at this if you're down nowhere grapes cheese oh my gosh um, some hummus 
that's like uh, that's like what you get when you take off on business class at on Lufthansa. You get a little, <laughs> no, <right. laughs> a little appetizer. So like, back in with like a really hot towel, and I get to it's yeah, really nice. hot towel. Perfect. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I get to watch some shitty movie on the on my second screen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, watch uh, Legally Blonde two, and I have this. Then it'll be just Legally like Blonde yeah. two. Is that the thing you're gonna do? Red, yeah. white, and blonde. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. But yeah, no, um, the second was it good? Legally Blonde two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw last night uh, before the Gucci. I saw Clueless. Oh, I, I love Clueless. Clueless is great. And Clueless I love is awesome. Legally Blonde one is great. <laughs> Legally Blonde one, one is actually pretty good. Yeah, I like it a lot. Now, Clueless is a Stone Cold classic. Clueless is fabulous as a movie. Yeah, no, much agreed. Much agreed. That's that. Like people didn't think so. That's one of those. That actually fits into our conversation. It does fit into the conversation of right. they think it's going to be some ditzy. Yeah, movie. they think it's trash, and then people talked about it like it was. Oh, it's guilty pleasure. It's fun trash. I'm just like, nope, no. <laughs> like that's it's, genius. Yeah. That is legit genius, and it's done so flawlessly in a particular vibe and style. Like, and it is. I think what does is because it's seen as trash, it's very approachable, right? Mm-hmm. And then by mm-hmm. making it approachable, you're actually like, oh, I'm getting some really great filmmaking. Uh, th- this is a really great point because, like, the <laughs> there's a part of what I wanted to talk about is movies like this do the work of defeating your self consciousness, right? Like they make it okay to like this movie. Like they're right. doing, they're basically, you know, embarrassing. Don't worry, themselves. you're not yeah. going to have to watch Serpico right now. You're just yeah, watching exactly. Legally Blonde. We're just <laughs> right, so watching Clueless. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 it allows you to uh, have a time that you might not allow yourself to have if it were like, you know, like this is a very serious film, right? You know, and uh, and and that's why Good, the Bad, and the Ugly like breaks so many conventions, right? You just I, left and right. I think what makes Good Man the Ugly challenging for people, especially today, to watch is mm-hmm. how slow it is. Mm-hmm. It is extremely slow, which to me, I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is world building, shall we say, and mm-hmm. it's absolute that's how you build a world to me. Yep. You don't overdefine things, you don't try to explain too much, you just sit there and live there and experience it for long periods of time. Like, you know, I'm just going to go right into it. Like literally when, when you start, what's this, uh, Levon Cleef, right? When he goes yeah. in to, to kill that guy. Yeah. The, the first guy, right? Yeah. Eating I'm soup. in that yeah. house. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent. You get a whole backstory. That's just on screen. Like you don't, you don't like no words. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, <laughs> there's no flashback. Visual storytelling. Yes. Yeah. It's just yes. that. I'm wondering how different though this is. I love Morricone. I mean, um, uh, Once Upon a Time in America. It's, mm-hmm. But in the a, point is, the if you look at this and say like Dr. Zhivago, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's such a beautiful visually or or even, um, you know, Peter O'Toole and- um, Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, sure. Yes. Beautiful. We know where we're going. But, but the, the we're, we're, we're in our 50s. Aspect, figure this. <laughs> it's just that this doesn't have, it has such long beats of silence mm-hmm. and it's pure vision of visual storytelling as opposed to the same beautiful epic, but it's more, the plot is driven more. So maybe that's why but, audiences didn't like that. They thought maybe yeah. it was like pulp. 
Well, the thing is, I mean, you would take something like Lawrence, Lawrence Verve is one of my favorite films of all time. So I'm not, don't take anything I'm saying as a diss on Lawrence Verve. Lawrence of Arabia is a very respectable film. Yeah. Yes. Like it is what, from the get go. You're like, yeah, like it's like this is a real adult picture by real grownups. And you are going to sit there and we're going to talk about some grown up shit together. It's going right. to be beautiful. It's like forcing you to read Shakespeare when you really want yeah. to read. Like this is a very, writing. yeah, like there's, a, there's no, <laughs> yeah, it's like there's no fucking around. This is a very serious production. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why David Lean is a master because to me, that's a very, that's actually a very risky thing to do where you're just like, you come out of the gate saying, take me seriously. You're asking a lot of people and basically, basically you're saying, I dare you to make fun of me. Right. And so, uh, uh, that he manages Lawrence of Arabia so well is, uh, is really incredible. You know, that he actually tells like this very intimate story on this grand scale and makes it, makes it accessible anyway, as a real achievement. However, you know, uh, if you take Leone, right. If he had made once upon a time in America, first was it america or the west oh no once upon, once upon, well, it's america in the early 80s right once upon a time in america with uh james woods and uh right. and de niro and uh uh, uh mary uh, uh elizabeth um no the guy from local hero i can't yeah. believe look yeah and Burt lancaster like, that Burt movie lancaster. is a movie i mean this is also a great film but it's a movie made by a respected artist and you feel it like it's asking patience of you. And it's like, this is very serious art that we're making. If he had made that back in 63, six, six like then people would have been, people would not have taken that seriously. They would have laughed it out of them. Right. They would have laughed out of the art house. Well, the thing that I think is so great about it, because it is a three hour fucking movie, right? Mm-hmm. It starts off. I mean, it's very, 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 very slow, right? But it doesn't, it starts off with a completely simple plot. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like uh, all right. So you got this bad it's guy. Easy. He's, a, it, it he's, starts he's a, basically he's a, with a ninety-minute plot. Like it's just like I oh yeah, you get the setup. Here the guy, the guy's looking for a guy, and right. he's finding people, and he's a badass, and he shoots everyone. I was like, yeah. okay, and it's got a lot of drama to it, and it's great. I and then you got follow through, always follow through, right? <laughs> and then you got you know Tuco and Blondie, right? Who mm-hmm. are like got this whole scheme where they shoot the guy down from the neck as he's being hung. Right. Mm-hmm. And they keep collecting the rewards. Yeah. That's the rest of the plot. And then these, suddenly, these are both good movies. These are the both. Plot good movies. Trust, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, I know. But, but it's not complicated. You're just following along. It's like, okay, I kind of get what's going on right. and it's fun. And you're trying to enjoying this, this ride and these actors, right. And the characters, boy, did they build character building in this oh yeah they, they take their time man they just indulge they, in it they're just they, like yep. yep tuco is jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> he's awesome mm-hmm. which i really thought is funny because you know obviously he he always like in the earlier part he, he played the the the, the bad me- <laughs> the bandit mexican guy for mm-hmm. a lot even though he's an old jewish guy right <laughs> yeah he's a jewish guy yeah. <laughs> right and then yep. later in life he played the old jewish guy a yep. lot in, yep. in movies which is kind of funny yeah he's I me mean, he's a terrific actor that guy he was right yeah. he's around and god he was yeah, around until his no, mid 90s at least yeah still acting and uh, really, really. 98, 98, he died. That's great, Crazy. dude. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But yeah, no, because like, there's basically three whole movies that are going on. Like, there's yes. the Tuco movie, right? There's the Blondie movie. Right. And then there's the Assassin movie with Levi and right. Cleave. 
And right. there's so much material on all of them. Like you can right. watch any one of these movies and be like, that's a good movie. <laughs> these are right. all good movies. And you, it's not like, and then this happened and then this happened. You're just like, you're just slowly going down this thing where, which is completely normal because life around that time was slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. It feels and, hot and gritty and bah. vast and deadly all mm-hmm. the time. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. That sounds like a hot, gritty, vast. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dan Thron. That's right. Hot, gritty, and vast. My favorite. It's like, I'm, I've become actually recently become obsessed with exactly what you're talking about, Chris, which is like real, actual good world building, which right. is the opposite of what people do now when they talk about They over explain everything to right. those. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit about the details. Stop giving me details. Like, put me in the place. Right. Like, let me experience it. It's That's... like it's a VR experience. Yes. You know, what people yes. want to see as a VR experience, like, right. I don't need a VR experience. I just need to watch the good and the bad, the ugly. Yeah. You need to be, you want to be present in this world. Right. Right. And like the, because uh, I've watched, uh, I've watched Apocalypse Now about five times in the past two weeks. And this okay. also does this where you're just like, it just doesn't explain itself. It just goes, this is what's happening. It's weird. Who knows? Yeah. You know, and it lets you sort of put it together yourself slowly out of the bits of the scene. And like the opening scene of uh, good, the bad and the ugly, like you have so many, it takes so long to play all the way through the follow all the way through the stroke that you have different movies happening in your head as you're trying to figure out what the relationship is between the people on the screen. Right. Like there's, there's uh, this one guy, and he's looking down the street at these other guys. And you're like, right. oh, it's a duel. Oh, right. I know. I right. love that. I love the, the like, opening. The opening scene is like, it's, it's like, okay, I've seen this before. It looks so stereotypical. And it's yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, okay, no, I'm, I'm into it. Let's do the duel. And then they get closer and closer and closer. And then suddenly these guys are actually working together. Right. Right. And they're <laughs> like, oh, I guess they're just going to go and rob this place. And they run in. And that's the last you see of them. You just hear gunshots. That's not the last you see of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and be, okay, well, then out the window, bursting out the window is the ugly. Yeah. And like, it's something like, oh, it's this guy. <laughs> but it's free fr- it, it also freeze, freeze frames. frames it freeze and frames. Writes, it says the, the ugly. ugly. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just insane. And then he goes back in and shot everybody. And it's all yeah. like, you're just like, this is phenomenal because like you, like it lets you play out a full Western in your head before you even get to this, the, what yeah. happens in the scene. Yeah. thing when you realize how creative it is and some of the things you're talking about, like how it, drifts like i mean there's no dialogue and has such a strong visual mm-hmm. the storytelling component but you know i was watching again and i was like you know ugh, yeah because they shot this in spain i mean it's just <laughs> it could you know it's not a hollywood movie like you had to go outside the country it's like people in france you know they loved hendrix in london before he right. was big in the U.S. It's just like right, it's the right. same story. It's like you have to do, make something with creative freedom somewhere else. Oh yeah, I love this. But I think that's what's 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 ironic is that it takes someone outside of the America mm-hmm. 
to have a vision of what he thinks a Western should be. That's right. Yeah. So to, to, for most Americans to look at that and go, that's a Western is like, right. nope, that's in Spain directed yeah. by an Italian. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the thing is, it's not like it isn't because Americans are dimwits. It's because no, they don't no, have no. Any perspective because they're in the Westerns all the time. It, they're watching yes. like, and you get somebody from an outsider who's like, you know how fucking weird your storytelling is. Let me, let me show it back to you. And you're like, right. Whoa, that's really weird. <laughs> is that what we're doing? Right. You know, and like it's so it's that's why it's it's difficult to like in when you when you're making movies in your home country, like everyone has an opinion on what those movies are. You know, and if you are a if you are a foreigner to that country, you're going to have a take on what that is that's going to be extremely strange. That's why Vim Vendors making uh Paris, Texas is genius. Like right. he shows you how strange this is. Because yes. he's a fucking German. Right. <laughs> like he's coming in from way the hell out there. Right. Culturally. And, uh, and he, he holds up this mirror to a place that you thought you knew that. Well, and, and literally David Byrne does exactly that in, in, uh, in uh, true stories. Uh, true stories. Mm-hmm. He's like, look at this. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's not very, it's not judgmental either. No, it's not judgmental. Right? It's, it's actually, I mean, like, like obviously it's, Leone yeah. loves Westerns. You know, yeah. it's just like, what if I brought a little bit of, you know, Italian weirdness to this? But uh, I think what he also does is he's like, you know, other Westerns may be a little bit more gritty or a little bit more subtle in mm-hmm. some cases. Sure. Right. He's he is not being subtle with this movie. Hell no. Right. And there is definitely something about this in Miami Vice where it's the same thing, not being subtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. We're speaking the same language. Exactly. Right? exactly. And so for there, therefore, it's something to celebrate. It's lack mm-hmm. of subtleness or it's, mm-hmm. it's extremeness. And so to me, that's, that's where it feels like you get the cake with the extra frosting. This right? is, you this know what I mean? Yes. yes. 100%. <laughs> because the fact is like, like subtlety is subtlety is wonderful, and that's that's a that's a style, you know. Sure. That's a style, and it's like it's um, you know, like sometimes you want like the the like the gentle palate experience of you know really uh, you know, uh off beaten path. Yeah, just sort of like if you if you have sushi, if you have really great sushi, like you're not there to like pound <laughs> you're not there sushi to have down. a whole bunch of hot sauce on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's a very delicate experience, and that's what's great about it. But mm-hmm. that doesn't make it better automatically than a perfectly cooked cheeseburger. Like a perfectly good cheeseburger to me is as good as perfect sushi. It's just a totally different experience. It's not subtle in the slightest, but it's right. what you want when you're eating it. And, uh, and, uh, and when people get self-conscious about, you know, like, Oh, this is so unsubtle. This is bad. I mean, like I like they watch good, the bad and the ugly. And they're just like, couldn't they have done this in a more subtle way? Right. Like, yeah. You well, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't <why>? be as good <laughs> why would you couldn't they have it's i mean if you're saying like this cheeseburger is the absolute worst sushi ever. it's like had. asking to make the <laughs> hot rod less flashy exactly it's the <laughs> fucking point look at the thing oh if only this make donut hot rod very flashy yeah come on good. Yeah, that's that's the way it, like enjoy what you so there critically in the u.s it was uh ridiculed i don't know um, if it was ridiculed. it was there was a there's a very split mind about it you know, like it was, it was not like, um, like there, there are critics who definitely saw the genius of it, but like largely it's just like, this is like B, B movie stuff. Right. 
Um, of course, like, I mean, it's not just Leonia. There's, you know, there's all sorts of, there's, there's three different Sergios who are making these things, you know, and like Corbucci and whatnot. And like, you know, they're all at different sort of levels of skill. Like they're all interesting. Uh, but Leone is the one who had it most together in terms of it, like stylistically. He was a great, he was a great film for the real vision. Yeah. And musically yeah, with Mar- Marconi is the whole topic. Yeah. Himself. That's a secret weapon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's his Doug Trumbull, right? <laughs> yeah. That's his Doug Trumbull, right? That's his musical Doug, Doug Trumbull. Uh-huh. Uh, like it's the, cause you know, uh, 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 with, cause if you look at other Italian movies of the period, like, cause if you look at, like, if you look at whatever you look at, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Eight and a half Fellini, like, like eight and a half and Dolce Vita and all this stuff. You see the aspects of Italian filmmaking that are part of good, the bad, the ugly. There's a totally different director, but you see that this is the groove that the Italians are in at that moment and how it influenced, mm-hmm. um, uh, the choices that get applied to, uh, uh, to good, the bad, the ugly. Um, but when, Whereas like those art films were received very well in America, like, you know, uh, all of like uh, eight and a half, et cetera, were all very well received by a, a particular, you know, sort of art film community in America. And uh, same with Bergman's films and all this kind of stuff. But they are the same people who did not like the spaghetti Westerns. That's and so yeah. what that says to me is that they were liking La Dolce Vita for the wrong reasons. They're liking it because of how it made them look to like it. Right. Yeah. Because it's like going to the freaking museum to see all the but that was just paintings. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Just look that at all the art, art that I'm seeing. Yeah. Now. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Kind of the, instead of in salons of the wealthy people, it was now just like Warhol and it was just, mm-hmm. everybody is an artist and the gallery showings. It's a huge time for that. The six yeah, in London, Los Angeles, New York, yeah. So yeah, it, people made art films. You know, I guess I wonder if art and a lot of those. Well, there's a lot of out in that time. Like there's, it was a big thing. Well, it it's was like, it was uh, a it was a chic thing to do. Yeah. Right. And the thing is, like, chic has nothing to do with quality. But that was also no. in this in this in this. This was a thing, right? Because I. This was mm-hmm. a thing like back in the sixties, right? It's sixties and seventies is like, that's the thing. That was the thing that separated you from the person that liked the quote unquote Hollywood films. So or you have yeah. to go to foreign oh, films, films. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right? You have to go to foreign films to be like, Ooh, I'm special. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not part of the Hoi Polloi, right? Uh, right. And then they'll, and you know, honestly speaking, that's actually, we, we, what was blow up was one of those right. movies right. that was seen in that way. And they're right. like, but it's, uh, you know, yeah. uh, so, um, but, but this, I, that- Oh, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's 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 uh, this film is it's interesting because like I I went through it and I like especially like I watched you know obviously I watched uh, uh, I watched Miami Vice first and then mm-hmm. I watched Good Bad and the Ugly second and I, and I was like well I'm gonna save it to you know to be special and then I watched it and I'm like but then I started to put it in I don't know why I got self conscious Dan I was listening to it and I was like. It's kind of a cheesy movie, but I love it. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy it. And by the end, it's like, I was, I'm wrong. Fucking it's great. brilliant. It's great. It's <laughs> I know great. why, too. Why? Because the shootouts, the violence is really good. Oh, it's brilliant. It's the so, shootouts so are perfectly done. very good, but there's actually, and at the beginning, the dialogue feels just very like, meh. And then by the end, it's like, no, 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 no. It's actually, there's so many good lines in here. Yeah. yeah. You know? You get in the groove, you're in the groove. 
like once you once you arrive yeah. you're there you know that line of uh that line of uh uh three thousand dollars for a head is pretty good i bet you got nothing for your arm and didn't get a penny for your arm yeah that yeah. is awesome. fucking gold man because like the like people people that uh, want to when you take like the good and the bad and the ugly you know like the reason why people uh, weren't making that Western is because they thought they knew what Westerns were. Like they were like, they like Westerns were the most popular form of film at the time. You'd have like TV was loaded with Westerns and up until the fifties, like everyone was making, everyone was making a, uh, uh, you know, uh, classic old style Westerns. And it had gotten so common that people were just like, meh, Westerns, it's all been done. Right. right. Westerns was going the way of Doris Day films. Exactly. They're all, yeah. It's all just fading away, right? You can't do any musicals. Yeah, or or musicals. Well, yeah, exactly. Also, guys, by that time, Big Valley, I mean, there were a lot of early 60s television shows were Westerns. It was Nanza. Like, Absolutely. Like, it's jam-packed. Yeah, exactly. Rawhide. You know, mm -hmm. there's just loads and loads and loads. Gunsmoke, you know, loads of these things. And like it's... It, and was, Leather and Chaps, the first gay Western. I can't Remember believe that? it was such 63? a hit in the fifties, but there it is. It really yeah, was a breakthrough moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, like yeah, off of that, off of that, like in 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 real life, uh, 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 for as far as old western stars go, like I've never been a giant John Wayne fan. I like there are movies with John Wayne who that I really like, and I think he's good. Um, but I just watched all of the renowned westerns that are available on Criterion oh. uh, with uh, Randolph Scott. And Randolph Scott, that, that is the dude who should be fucking famous. Randolph Scott was it blew Blazing my Saddles? mind. <laughs> yeah, Randolph Scott, Randolph Scott, like is uh, like he is iconic and is a iconic looking. All of these westerns are of the greatest westerns ever made. Right, right. Se seven men from now. Uh, fucking just on and on and on. There's tons of the tall tea. They're all incredible, right? The only thing that he had going against him is everybody knew that he was gay. Really? Yeah. And so he, they, they played him down and played Wayne up. And I'm just like, this dude should be 10 times more famous than John. Well, he did that one film, the hero wears lace. And that just that really probably important. tipped it over yeah. for him. Yeah, that, that yeah. showed his hands. That showed his hands. <laughs> the yeah, hero yeah. wears lace. <laughs> yeah, like, like the. Like like it's gonna the... do me. I kid. I think it's gonna help your career. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be good. We're breaking new ground. Yeah, man. Like that's this is the thing. It's like you know, like I think that Wayne... Rawhide kind of has a little bit of a gain <laughs> sound yeah, to it too. Sure. But I mean, like, like Wayne, John Wayne movies, uh, like have a particular ideology to them mm -hmm. that you know it's a little it's a little thin. It's a little. There's not a lot of depth or yeah, thought but, to what he's doing. You know, but by fun. the time he was doing that too, by the time it was almost like um, the Rat Pack. You know, yeah. you just expected this grandness about it. They didn't have to do anything. It's like Dean Martin singing. It was just yeah. he couldn't sing for shit to yeah. me. You know, he yeah. wasn't Sammy, but it was still like, well, he's Dino. You know, yeah, he's Dino. Like, he's, just let him do his thing, whatever it is. But it isn't really until for me, uh, the Searchers. That I Wayne, love like, that's my Searches favorite, is fucking one of my magnificent. Favorite, yeah. It's one of yeah. my favorite movies. That's and, it's, absolutely... and it's because it, it, it the searchers is, it is Van not... Cleef in there. A young Van Cleef, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, it's been a few years since I've seen it. I can't remember if it's Van Cleef or not. Um, look that up. Yeah, but uh, but searchers is magnificent, and because it is a giant old school western, but also it's the first time when they bring up like the they 
they touch upon how messed up his ideology is. Like it's vengeful, it's racist, xenophobic. And like mm-hmm. the movie really brings it out and just goes, you know, he's, he's, he's who we're following, but that doesn't mean we agree completely with what is happening, you know? And I was just like, ah, oh, there now it's interesting. Now, now it's actually deep, you know? And meanwhile, when you watch like Randolph Scott movies, like all those things have simple plot lines, but very weird, deep layering that asks like, who's the bad guy in the situation or like who is actually responsible for this bad situation? You know, is the hero doing the right thing for real or is he actually just being selfish? And it's all wrapped up in this incredibly handsome, badass dude, you know, and it's, uh, it's only because he was semi outed that his, that his Westerns fell off the radar. Those, those should be the ones that everybody, uh, uh, watches. They're incredible. And so by the time you get to, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, like, uh, everyone's numb to Westerns that yeah. everyone's just like, yeah, well, it's on TV. That's a, I don't give a shit about this stuff anymore, but this comes in like hot sauce and nobody knows what to do with it. And it's so gritty and trashy. The good, the bad, the ugly was hot sauce. It's just insane. <laughs> it was very popular in Europe. It was mm-hmm. like a lot of Europeans love mm-hmm. that. And they like identified with the, like teenage boys used to identify with the characters. It was like, sure. it was like the, Mar- you know, it was like, you know, like the Avengers. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Well, and- because they're watching Westerns the way, like they watch American Westerns so at the time they're watching American Westerns with the right point of view, which is that this is a weird mythology. It's an opera. Yeah, it's, it's an, an opera. opera. Yeah. Right. right. And whereas like Americans were not watching it that way. They were watching it as if it were just sort of historical. Like, and Westerns have nothing to do with history. Right. Like, this is not reality at all. Like, this, this is a, this is an entirely created mythical landscape. And everybody outside of America was very aware of that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, uh, and Americans weren't. And like, which is the way it works. I mean, they're, Americans were in the, they were lost in the sauce. You know, like, we, we've been telling ourselves the story for so long that we believe that it's true. And it's, it's not true. It's just a, a myth about how we feel about our, ourselves. And uh, so when, you know, Morricone comes along, he's able to treat it like he's making a movie about Greek myth. Mm, and, right. and suddenly it just it explodes and it changes literally. That's the one, like, as much as Easy Rider, I credit this movie for changing what happened in Hollywood. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, but by that cool. time, they were broke, the studios. Yeah. And they couldn't fight it. Yeah. You know? So. They needed it. They, they needed, needed it bad. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like this, this, do we want to go into what this movie is about? Do the traditional. We can. I, 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 we can. The thing that was interesting to me is that I remembered so many parts of this movie, but I didn't remember the order in which those events took place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I had the same experience. No. Right. It's like, oh, right. Wait, I thought this was at the end of the movie. Oh no, we're still we still have an hour and a half to go. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something. I've seen this movie in total many, many, many times. Many but times. in pieces. <laughs> but I I am not sure if I've ever sat down to watch it all the way through ever. <laughs> like, right. I've seen yeah. I've seen all this movie, every piece of this movie I've seen 30 times easily. Yes. But like uh, it's like, oh good, the bad, and the ugly is on. I'll watch like 25 That's the thing, right? Yeah. That was it was it was the Saturday 
or Sunday matinee on TBS or TNT or whatever that would come on and was like, yep, it's on. I'm just, I'm not turning the channel. Right. Like, and the thing you can walk away from the screen for like five minutes to come back and you're in the come same back, scene. There. <laughs> right. Are they still staring at each other? They're still yep. staring at each other. <laughs> yep. He's still walking through the desert. He's still mm-hmm. walking through the desert. Uh, but yes, the, let's, let's just go real quick. Through it. So, um, it is a three-hour movie, but it is a kind of an amazing thing. The basic plot is that uh, uh, Levon Cleef plays the bad, mm-hmm. also known as Angel Eyes. I love their names, by the mm-hmm. way, Angel Eyes, mm-hmm. right? They don't call themselves – they call themselves by their nicknames, and that's about it, right? So Blondie! An- Blondie! Blondie! <laughs> Angel Eyes and Tuco. Uh, and so – and he's basically searching for someone uh, uh, basically on a bounty, Right. Mm-hmm. And then all, during the search, he finds out that there's actually the guy he's looking for has information about a huge amount of gold. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And that this person has actually changed his name. So that's what's going on. And he, he kills the person that gives him this information. And that person also gives him a thousand dollars, which he takes back to the guy who gave who asked Pony on him and kills that person saying he gave me a thousand dollars to kill you. So he kills both people. He kills both people. <laughs> he kills yeah. both people. So he's like, he has the Anton sugar mentality of just right. like, yep. 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 I'm just being paid and I'm just going to take care of this the yeah. way I know he, how he, kill, he kills everyone. Yep. Uh, and he's definitely, and he's, I mean, basically we should also mention that this is a, the third movie in a trilogy, technically mm-hmm. speaking with him and with those two characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, and they're the sort best. of remakes of themselves. They're not even really right. a trilogy. It's not like a continuous story, really. No, it's, it's just not. Like, they're just it's another movie with the same two characters. Yeah, exactly. Except like, well, now we've added the third, which is Tuco. Right. And he's But not in that order. I think the jacket that there's something about a jacket, I think, on this one that is he wore at the end of the last one. Oh, the last one, yeah. Like they they do they try to uh have sort of some like continuity, right? Some but continuity. It doesn't make any sense. You don't need to. You don't need <laughs> right. to see the other two yeah. films. Let's just put it this no. way: you don't need to see the other two films to watch right. this film. Right. So, so, so he takes off, and then the other two characters are uh, uh, are Tuco, played by uh, 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 Eli Wallach, mm-hmm. and uh, and obviously Clint Eastwood, who plays uh, the good, mm-hmm. also known as Blondie. Yeah. The good um, is a, a you know he's the goodest. The goodest, yeah, he's not necessarily very good, good either, yeah. right. <laughs> right? And so, the two of them come up, uh, they they uh, there's a big bounty on Tuco, uh, or the, the ugly, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Tuco, uh, this is and it, this is such a typical thing, like they have like the wanted poster with the you know $500 or whatever. It's like this is like literally what Europeans think of Westerns, like wanted poster $500, whatever, yeah, exactly, right? dead or alive, European. right. right. <laughs> And it's like this perfect photograph of the guy. It's, it's like some yeah, it's a, it's a photograph of the yeah. guy, not a, not a drawing, right? right? Like, yes, how did you get a perfect photograph of the yeah. guy? Yep, That'd be which unusual. is kind of hilarious. Uh, and so they come up with this scheme where he drives him towards the town, takes him to the jail, collects the bounty, and then they set him on a horse to like hang. They read him all of the, they accuse him of all the wrongs that he's done, which are hilarious, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, might as well be blazing saddles at this point. Uh, and, uh, and then as they hang him, just before they hang him, Clint Eastwood's in the background with a big rifle and he, uh, he fires and breaks the rope (laughs) with his rifle so that the, the, he runs off with a noose around his neck and then they split the bounty and then his bounty goes up more 
and then go to the next town and do it over again. This is basically right. the thing. And it takes a while to go through this. It's quite funny, right? Then they have a debate about like, hey, my neck's on the line, so I should get more. And goes, well, if I get less, then my aim won't be as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then they get through this debate, and then basically Tuco screws him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Basically, it's everything that they created for Dirty Harry was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And they walk, and they, and he starts walking. Um, he, he, I forgot how he how he gets uh, uh, Eastwood off his horse or whatever it was. There was something. Anyway, he ends up dragging him through the desert without any water and basically making him suffer really, really badly. Right? Mm-hmm. No, wait. Yeah, is he, he no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Clint Eastwood, see, this is, I got the order wrong. Clint Eastwood does the exact same to the ugly first. Right. He abandons him in the middle he, of the desert. Yeah, he's like, it's only 70 miles. You can yeah. probably make it if you're, if you're careful. Yeah. Our, our yeah. time here is done. <laughs> our time here is done. And then Tuco gets to the town, to a town, starving, or, mm-hmm. or in dehydrated or whatever. And he, one of my favorite scenes, I don't know why, it's so stupid, but it's hilarious. He goes to the general store. Mm-hmm. And he's looking to buy some revolvers, right? Right. And the guy is like, "Oh yeah, I got revolvers." And he Frankenstein rifle in the forty-five range. <laughs> yeah, and he, he Frankenstein's a rifle out of different parts, which I don't think is possible. That would be hard to do. But that's how good Tuco is with guns. <laughs> he takes the you know the the barrel of one, and he does a little the rolling I thing. I love the little rolling, rolling thing. Click, yeah, click, exactly. click, 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 click sound. Like it's so stupid, but I love it. It's great. Uh, I mean, because it, like it shows that he's like because as much of a goofball <laughs> character as he is, he's actually a genius at this one thing. Sure. You know, he is a great shot, and he knows guns incredibly well. So, like, don't think he's not dangerous. He is right. dangerous, right? And then he takes him to the back to shoot the targets to test his mm-hmm. guns. <laughs> and then he shoots all three and they all turn like to, to the side and then he breaks shoots them sideways. Yeah. Shoots them sideways. Yeah, it's bad. And the last one doesn't fall. And so the guy goes, Oh, and he laughs at him and then he hits the ground the, 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 the ground and it falls over because mm-hmm. it just had oh my god, it's so stupid. But I love yeah. it. No, that's not stupid. This is what I'm saying. That, that's not stupid at all. It's fucking awesome. It's, it's awesome. awesome. It There's makes you feel great. It's, yeah. That's, yeah. It makes and it's, you feel and it's great that this like for like a character that's set up for comic relief and they still do it through comic relief. Like yes. they show that he's actually a dangerous man is yes. important. Yes. Like otherwise like the rest of the movie does is not valid. He has to be actually quite good. He's not just like fucking Don Knotts. You know, yeah. like he's, 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 yeah, he's, he's as serious as anybody else's. He's just and, an unstable maniac. Yeah, and the scene with his brother, we'll get into that, was pretty mm-hmm. good too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but anyway, so he goes to, um, he gets a revolver and then he's like, how much? And he was like, oh, $40. And it's like, he puts another bullet in there. It's exactly the scene from, mm-hmm. from Terminator. $50. Like, how much? $100. That's all I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he robs the guy, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, uh, which is now, you, you know, man, Cameron was watching that guy. Like, I just got to put a robot in this, and it's fixed. <laughs> yep, no problem. I wonder yep. if any interviewer he's ever talked about that movie. I don't think so. Sense. I don't think it's ever really come up. Like, I, I, I feel like because I only just like this past go round, and it's only because I just watched Terminator. I was like, oh, this scene is really similar. And oh, right. uh, and uh, and I was just like, if they, if he had talked about it, I would have 
that would have been on the in the cloud of talking about Terminator, but right. it just has not really come up. It's a great. It's it is great. I don't think it's that's not a rip on Terminator to say that it's. Then no, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would admit it too. <laughs> he, he may not credit them. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. But he's certainly inspired. That's a, right, that's yeah. a terrific, terrific scene. Both are terrific scenes, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. But you also see how much Tarantino loved them. Oh, right. yeah. Well, Tarantino, Tarantino doesn't just openly credit scenes that he's stealing all the time. Like, he uses only Ennio Morricone's music from this movie in his movies. Yeah. Like, like Keith he, Richards. He, he, well, he just, he literally goes like, and he said it before, he goes like, there's no better composer. Why would I waste time getting somebody else when something perfect has already been written? Yeah. Like, this is already great. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, and also, the music itself is a great example because the music is so garish and crazy. Like, it is totally unembarrassed. You know? Yeah, well, it's the, the, the right from the first frame of the title sequence it's completely yeah. out of control yeah like it, it's like it doesn't give a shit what you think of it it just busts through the doors kicking I mean, for, and the, the like, first sound is ah, yeah like that ah, comes out. Ah, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. that's like the first sound <laughs> of the incredible. movie the balls to just like jump out there and just like bam bam, bam <laughs> and hit the audience on the head it's just you know, like it's one of these things it's just like when babe ruth walked out and pointed up at the uh Stands, like I'm gonna hit the ball up there, guys. You know, yeah. and like you, like if you don't do it, you look like a dick. But if you do do it and you do it perfectly, you're a hero. And that's <laughs> yeah. where Leone is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No high risk situation, man. You just gotta fucking go for this it. Is a side question: How did he do a lot of movies after Once Upon a Time in America? Or did it just die off? Did he I'm stop not, actually, making I'm not sure. That's a good question. All, like, the, all this stuff that I know. I know that he did once in America in early 80s, but I was just yeah. thinking, I wonder if he was part of the 70s thing or he just... Let me take a look real quick. Bowed out. Uh, I thought you... I can look at it. I thought you probably... You're yeah, I know. I know. Up to mind. Not on Leone. Like, I, I, know, I know his classic movies. Uh, I, don't, I don't go super deep on it. Uh, let's see. IMDb. Why are you the very worst website of all time? I'm going to try to get through this quicker because I want to make sure we get time to talk about Miami. Oh, yeah. but no, I'm going to go. So basically what happens is after he's, he, he's recuperated or recovered and he's now on a search for Blondie for revenge and Blondie is up to the same scheme where he's got someone else that's on a noose <laughs> that's hanging. Mm -hmm. I love this part. Mm -hmm. It's like the same thing. And then as he's doing that, this gun comes from the side and he's like, you're coming with me. Yep. I was like, what about lefty or whatever? It's like, no, like sorry, Too bad. lefty. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, lefty. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, to answer your question really quickly, Eric, he died in 1989, and Once Upon a Time in America is the last major movie he made. And any in the 70s? In the 70s, yeah. Like he does, where is it? Director. There we are. Yeah, he does. Uh, uh, I've never seen Colossus of Rhodes. I don't know what this. Fistful of dollars. For a few dollars more. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Once Upon a Time in the West. Duck You Sucker, which is actually pretty great. And Once Upon a mm. Time in America, and that's it. He's out. Yeah. yeah wow. It's, it's a it was, short but great movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, then basically Tuco takes him on the same journey through the desert while he's uh, 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 <clears throat> basically making him uh, uh, starve and, and, and die of thirst uh, and heat exhaustion. Right. right. And then we just bring up. 
Oh, I just said that we should bring up that the, the line that keeps on coming up is a variation on there's two kinds of people. Right. There's yeah. two kinds of, yeah. Like the first thing is like, there's two kinds of people. There's the, you know, there's uh, the ones who, uh, 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 the ones who get caught and the ones who blow whatever, like that, uh, right. end up on the rope, whatever it is. But of course this all leads up to a great final line that we'll get to. In right. Yeah. There's the one, there's the ones with the, who got the rope around the necks and the ones who shoot the rope and the ones who shoot the rope. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but basically, we've been having basic. We've had the journey of of Tuku and Blondie mm-hmm. in some ways, although they've separated and then come back together again. Right. And then we're still like we're like an hour and a half into this movie, and we there's no relationship between them. And yeah, nothing's come together yet. Nothing's yeah. come together well, yet. Well, right? they share a common bond of just being very just being, all absolutely. Every, everything mm-hmm. is similar except one is just more compassionate. Right. Mm-hmm. But then what happens, and this very strange thing, is that this uh, uh, the stagecoach comes barreling down the desert, which Tuco stops, and it seems to be empty, like no one's driving the horses, right? Mm-hmm. He looks in the back, and it's like filled with dead soldiers, except mm-hmm. one of them is alive. And who is it? It's what's Jim Carson, and what was the name? The guy who the the the, the, the guy who the, the guy who who they're looking who, who they're looking for with the money the, the ugly's looking for but yeah, we don't right. we've only they don't know who that is they have Jim no idea Carson. who that is mm-hmm. Jim Carson that's right mm-hmm. and so he says don't kill me I've got two hundred thousand dollars in gold somewhere yeah, like buried that. out in a special place it's buried out in a special place and it's mm-hmm. all yours for just some water and he's like mm-hmm. don't die on me don't die on me he rises out to get the water by the time he gets back. The guy dies. He t- oh, he tells him the name of the cemetery. This is the key part of it. So mm-hmm. he knows the name of the cemetery, but he's trying to get the name on the grave. That's where the gold is supposedly buried. Mm-hmm. And he races out to get some some water. So he comes back to give him water to hear the name of the grave. But by the time he gets there, not only has he died, but Clint Eastwood is there, who's barely alive. He heard the name of the grave and he won't tell it to him. Uh-huh. And so now it's like, you have to keep me alive or you won't get the 200,000. Which is somewhat ridiculous in a sense, but, but somewhat awesome. awesome. Yep. <laughs> right. And it's almost video gaming. It, it is. <laughs> and it's also, you can see a lot of that kind of bits of information and haphazardly. It's like, um, uh, what's it called again? Pulp fiction. The yes. way it's yes. like this dancing of, of knowledge and who's got what. And, mm-hmm. you know, yes. you can't actually move ahead without me. Everyone's right. got a little piece of what's going on. Right. So basically now all of a sudden he has to restore his health because I've got the name of the cemetery. You've got the name of the grave because mm-hmm. otherwise there's 5,000 graves. And, you know, you're I never going to do it. You can't do never... 5,000 graves. Right. So you got to figure out what it is. So, uh, so he keeps him alive and he's like, all right. And he takes him to a monastery to recoup his health, which is where his brother works and is a clergyman, Tuco's brother. They have this very, I'm just going to fast forward. Do a mashup between that and Poltergeist with the graves. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, you guys build here and then we'll come back. Yeah. Craig D. Nelson shows up. You left the bodies. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, what, when he meets this, uh, when he meets his, uh, uh, his brother who's works at the place. There's a very emotional scene. I'm not going to get too much into it, but it does humanize Tuco a little quite bit. A bit. Yeah. 
Uh, and also is a great scene because it makes uh, Clint Eastwood feel bad for him, which is the mm -hmm. first time he's ever felt bad for him, which is kind of an interesting thing because right. it actually humanizes um, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood as well. Yeah. No, th this is like, th this is where m many movies today get things wrong. Like I, oh, and this is the, <laughs> there's a famous book that people, it's so famous people make fun of it, but there's a, a screenwriting book called Save the Cat. Save the, cat. That, save the cat. And I've I think that, like four times. Yeah, Save the Cat is actually, to me, incredibly useful. It's actually a really good book to read because it's very, very simple. Uh, and like if you if you write a screenplay by the numbers from that book, you'll end up with a bad screenplay. But if you use the book to think about what you're doing, then it will really yeah. help you out, right? And one of the Her greatest things too. Yeah. Like how they enter the room, how they leave the yeah, room. Yeah, the opening That's and closing the image should have something to do with each other metaphorically. And what they know, like, say right. too. Right. The opening lines, like you have to like uh, make sure in the first five or 10 minutes, someone says something that's very close to what the theme is. Just so people pick these things up and it really helps your story. It makes you think reading that book makes you think about that stuff, whether or not you do the specific thing in the specific order. And it's they very, say. Chris, tailored, pardon me, Dan, tailored towards Hollywood. So like every scene, you've got to at least have some sort of branding potential. Like uh, obviously it also is Mountain Dew, Pizza yeah, Hut, Mountain your Dew. choice. Everything, and that's really helpful. Yeah, it's obviously always good, but yeah, the uh, but yeah, like it's one of these things that I use to think through the stuff that I read, uh, that I write rather. Um, because again, you can end up with stop or my mom will shoot if you just follow the instructions, it will be terrible. But it's always good to go, like, what, what the fuck am I saying is really important. And one of the best things I've learned from it is what this movie does almost flawlessly is the save the cat element. Is you can have your main character be the worst most horrible, selfish fucking scumbag all the way through the film as long as somewhere you see him save a cat. If the right. dude saves a cat, then if you're, you're like, oh, well, he's a good guy inside. And then you'll right. watch the rest of the goddamn movie. Right. You know, and that's where when, when Tuco and his brother, like you go, oh, all right, he's an asshole, but I get it. Right. And right. then the genius here is that Tuco becomes Blondie's cat. He does. <laughs> <laughs> like that's genius. That's where it goes. It switches over fast. Yeah. 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 No, no, really, really smart. You're just like, okay. All right. Now I care about everybody. <laughs> right. And comparing right. that to, do you think he in his mind was like, I want to make the antithesis of John Wayne or, you know, give another perspective, a different perspective of John Wayne or go that totally different direction. I don't know. I think that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, he was obviously looking at American cinema and mm -hmm. everyone, you know, looked up to it and it was very influential, but they also looked up at John Wayne. Like he is right. the Western, he is America. Right. So well, yeah, are they approaching right. it because it's almost like I said earlier, that hero that was set up with Clint Eastwood uh, goes all the way through dirty Harry Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering in a way, like, you know, it was, they tried to, to do it uh, like maybe the opposite of John Wayne. Cause there's some, right. there's a bravado about Clint Eastwood in this that just reminds me of the dirty Harry's. And mm -hmm. then at the same time, it's like, what type of hero was he compared to what everybody thought was a hero like John Wayne? Yeah. I, I think, you're, I think that's a great, uh, this is a great observation because like the, uh, I, I think that he is like, uh, I think that Leone is probably looking at John Wayne movies and saying, these are lovely, but this is 
there's no character here. It's kind of like there's a there's an there's a it's boring because the characters write, and there's no story to that. You're like telling a story where a character is good and does the right thing and is correct is not a story. Yeah, but you, you also know? Kennedy died and the Vietnam War. So I wonder if he looked at that and said, I'm just going to take that Americana and twist it. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it. Cause I think it's a better way to me anyway. It's like, this is, this is a better way to uh, think about yourself as say an American audience member is don't go in and think I'm John Wayne and I need to see my own John Wayne-ness reinforced. Like when you're in the era of, you know, of horrible corruption and America's getting involved in some, dangerous bad stuff like you have to confront the fact that not everything you do is good and uh and if you're making a a western that it's going to make it at least more interesting and certainly more morally responsible to make a movie about someone who is not always good you know Mm. or is like we have a bad person leave leave and cleef is like unapologetically bad like he is the bad and there's no at no point do you feel bad for leave leave and cleef so there's a level set for like, this is what true evil looks like, like this. Uh, but these other two characters, Blondie and Tuco, are, uh, they're scumbags. You know, they're selfish. You know, they're uh, like, they, they won't, they refuse to help one another. They try and screw each other over constantly, you know, like all of this stuff. Um, but by working together, you like, it's not like they figure it out and become buddies but you get a deeper sense of where they're coming from. And then you understand, like by watching that, you understand your own relationship to these very ideals much better. And I think that that's, that's the useful. That's why I don't, that's why I was saying with with John Wayne, it's just like for most of his movies, they're really dull. It says it's less interesting storytelling. And I think it took the sixties to really wake people up to like, what are we really trying to do by making these movies? Well, it's the white hat and the black hat, right? Right. Right. Yeah, but a lot of I I swear on this one, which was so funny in in, in Buster Scruggs when he was the white hat, <laughs> mm. <laughs> fucking maniac. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Um, I I swear there was like a um, it was almost like a midnight cowboy quality to the way he, uh, uh, Tuco and Blondie. There was something like Ratso Rizzo kind of yeah 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 yeah, yeah totally. Like totally. an off-putting buddy movie, or mm-hmm. like um, the Misfits. Uh, there's something reminded me. Like it wasn't, you know, what audiences. Yeah, expected. I think that's great. Well, I mean, this is why, like everything. This is why everything changed. They weren't buddies, way. but you get the point. They, right. You would have just shot him dead if he didn't have some passion. Well, right. they sort of. They really. But it's it's funny because they were completely partnering up all the way until the very end when Nick Dace is like, nope. Once once you're getting close enough to the gold, uh, it's kind of crazy. All right, yeah. so a couple. I'm going to go really quick. Somehow they enter into the civil war, <laughs> mm-hmm. like out it's of nowhere, right? Right. Like it's just going on. It's just going on. <laughs> right. uh, close to it. And and there was a couple scenes that were like hilarious, where they they walk up and they feel like they're being sneaky, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And they run into these uh, these soldiers. And then it says, oh, 
And then the camera just pans slightly, and it's mm-hmm. a massive battlefield. Like, how did they not see that? Yeah, it's enormous. Like, bridge by explosions. <laughs> just bananas. <laughs> it's like it was right next to them. Mm-hmm. Did they not just see that? But it was like the camera revealed it for us without right. us having to think about it too much. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so much about this film, which are, like, completely not nothing to do with reality, but awesome at the same time well like this the is sound and the, the lighting here is my <laughs> argument okay movies aren't oh. real no i know <laughs> like that's great. what's great like indulge the, the fact civil that war it does not this this obviously did not happen during the civil war yes exactly who cares right. like that's what's beautiful about it yeah like that's what's great about it it's like you pan over and it's like oh shit what the fuck is going on right it's like we just land in this whole other landscape right you know like allow movies because movies are movies are dreams right you know let it be like a dream and so suddenly when it becomes about war there's a lot more morality that's sort of put into the story Mm -hmm. which is kind of an interesting thing and they're toward one of the so but the 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 camp is being run by a bunch of thugs including now we found finally levon cleef right yeah who's there and they're they're arrested as uh as uh uh prisoners of war because they accidentally had Confederate uniforms on that they stole and they were arrested by the, so they're prisoners of war right. and Levon Cleef. Oh, and they, and they take up the name Jim Carson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> At which point they ask for Jim Carson and, and then uh, Tuco goes, Oh yeah, that's me. And they're like, Levon Cleef's like, wait a second. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. So uh, he's starting to do that. Anyway, they do a torture session where they're trying to get information from him. And they do the music, which I just, that scene is just so, so, it's supposed to be really horrible and it's supposed to be bad, but I laugh every time that happens. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because they're torturing him and they're playing music while he's being tortured so it wouldn't be heard. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the guy who's forcing the prisoners of war to play the music says, more feeling. <laughs> More feeling. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's, it's great. so stupid. I love it. It, it, it reminded me of uh, in Bananas when they torture him by playing operetta on a... On a uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, please. Not operetta. Anything. <laughs> so uh, More anyway, feeling. Uh, so, so, I was just... Fast forward. They they go all over the place. There's some amazing scenes in here. The the scene of the bathtub just cracks. Oh me yeah, up. the gun of it's incredible. Yep. Which the, is the, the suds. The suds. Yep. If you're gonna shoot, shoot. Don't talk. Yeah. Um, but uh there's a lot of shootouts that are happening, amazing scenes, incredible special effects with mm-hmm. uh, explosions. Really yeah. good. The stunt work is dangerous dangerous (laughs) and you realize like this is long before visual effects and they blow up this entire bridge and he knew they built that entire bridge and they really blew it up that is a that is a better more impressive real bridge explosion than bridge on the river Kwai. yeah that is a i was just like fuck wow (laughs) nothing like like practical effects though that's why there will be blood was so good because it was like real Oh, yeah, yeah, everything feels really physical, absolutely. And uh, like every yeah, like this this movie is just like yeah, there's there's no way they're gonna do it outside of just lighting dynamite and blowing something up. You yeah. know, and it and it shows it's really great. And now of course, like you know, and we've seen it say it a million times, but it's just like there's loads of CG that's this good and uh is utterly convincing. In fact, there will be blood is a great example because the whole like the fountain of oil bit is all CG. But no one thinks of that as a CG movie because they're not. No, that's not CG. CG. They used real flames out of that. 
The use, no, it's a combination of things, but it is definitely CG. That's a lot of CG. But the, I thought like the real, the flames coming oh, yeah. up. Ab absolutely. That's all, also real because you can the tell. Wide, like, the, they, yeah, they the wide is all, real. that's all real flame light. That's real gas being used. Absolutely true. But like when the, uh, the oil is like erupting out of the, uh, when they first break through, that's a huge oh, yeah, amount of okay, CG. Okay. Right? No, the and, fire shot I was thinking. Like, no, the that fire was... shot's fire. But then you can tell from the, the lighting is perfect on the actors. The perfect lighting, but you can tell, dude, and it just makes yes, a difference. Great. And the thing is, like, the they're, because Paul Thomas Anderson isn't making a movie, like, was you, when people make big CG events these days, they think, oh, it's CG, so I can do anything. And that's right. where they fuck it up, right? Whereas, like, when he's doing There Will Be Blood, even though there is CG, like, he's like, we're making a movie, so this has to sell. This has to, the magic trick has to work, you know. And well, it's uh, pre planned rather than show me later. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's he really had the app concept. Yeah. Right. You know, it's a very physical feeling and, and mimicking that. It's, I mean, it's just like if you were on the set on Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, like, it maybe it, may, well, you'd go, oh, this isn't quite as dangerous as it looks on film. It's your job to make it look as dangerous as possible. But, but, but also, they are emphasizing real, you know, very real things. The other thing that I saw is like those battle scenes and mm -hmm. the the and the and the 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 trenches and everything. That was all real. Oh, it's yeah, a bazillion guys, <laughs> all that makeup, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that you're was... just like, I don't know where they shot that, but they were just like everybody in town. Yeah, and line, they, and they, but they, they they set up all the trenches and everything. That's like yeah. holy crap! That's a amount of landscaping just to make it's, that it's, look. It's just like the ending scene in Chud when you're looking in Chud and you're just like, "How the fuck did they afford this? There's like a million people here. <laughs> look how this is even happening." <laughs> Up until now, it's been uh, two people wandering down through a tunnel, and now you spend all your money on this one big scene. It's amazing, right? But like, I think that the key with Good, Bad, and the Ugly is that because of the filmmaking itself feels so big, even when things are small, by the time you get to really big things, it doesn't seem unnatural. It doesn't mm. feel like they blew all their money at once. Like from the first opening shot, you know, it's just like, you know, giant face up in the line. Like it's so big and dramatic that it's already at the right level to introduce the civil war. Like, right. like emotionally it's in the right place. And it's like when you talk about like CG for um, what do you call it for Lord of the Rings, like right. the reason why, even there's loads of shitty effects in Lord of the Rings. Like there's but the Tons. comps that don't work and all sorts of things like that. Um, but the reason why it, overall it works incredibly well is because the camera is doing exactly the same kind of crazy bullshit that the CG is doing. Like there's no hiccup. Like get Jackson's putting a camera on a rope and swinging it around in real life. And right. then they do that in CG and it doesn't seem like it's, you're breaking the reality that the film's set up. And so with Good, the Bad and the Ugly, they did the same thing. They're just like, from the get go, this is as big as life. And so the Civil War comes, shows up and you're like, well, makes sense. Right. This world, this world is totally crazy. Right. So, uh, they basically figure out they're in the middle of a battle. Uh, they, they know that the battle is over a bridge and everyone's dying because of this bridge. So mm -hmm. they blow up the bridge so that they can, everyone can disperse. Yeah, and they can get to the other side of the bridge, so they can continue so committing their crime <laughs> to look for the cemetery, which is on the other side of the bridge. Right. Once they and they work together, so Tuco and Tuco and uh, and Blondie work together to get mm -hmm. this whole thing done. And then once they get to the other side, they start to get greedy mm -hmm. <laughs> and they try to screw each other. And then just like they did in the beginning, just like in the beginning, 
And then there's that great scene where Tuco finds the cemetery, right? Oh, he thinks he knows the name of the grave because they yeah. told each other the name of the grave, right? They find each other and he's running around this. This, By the way, the cemetery was, again, completely built. Mm -hmm. It's enormous. It's I mean, enormous. Imagine the work to do that crap. It's unbelievable. Insane. There's it's a documentary huge. on Netflix about the building of that cemetery, by the way. I have not seen it yet. Apparently, it's great. Really? It's, yep. No, yep. I got to watch that. that good, yes, Google that, Good, that. the Bad, and the Ugly documentary. You'll find it. I hear it's fantastic. But anyway, he's running around the cemetery with the incredible score, mm -hmm. trying to search for the grave for a long time. And it's a running. Like it's, it's you dizzying. are completely confused, as is he, yes. as to what's going Except, on. I mean, when he's running and the graves are just oh going, by and going 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 by, and you're like, I am going to throw up. It's like so <laughs> fucking, like there's right. so much shit happening. Yeah, right. Watch this. I'm gonna send you guys. But Jack, oh yeah, Sad Hill on Earth. Sad Hill on Earth. That's the one. I've not seen this, but I hear it's great. Holy caduceus! There you go. Let me know if it's good. Let's see that. Hold on. Let me get it to everybody. I had forgotten about that until this very moment. I would have watched it for the. Check it out, guys. All right. Sad Hill on Earth. Oh wait, it's an hour and twenty six minutes. I like my docs around an hour forty. Yeah, that's oh, probably not good I can't enough. Watch well. it. I can't watch <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. Can't be interesting. Forget it. <laughs> Joe Dante's in it. I love Joe Dante. Joe Dante. Okay. Is, yeah. All right. All right. I want to make sure we get to Miami Vice. Sorry, I'm just yeah, going right. to get through this. So basically, he gets to the grave. He finds the grave. He starts digging by hand. It's a shallow grave, definitely a shallow grave. Mm -hmm. uh, and he finds the grave. And then Clint Eastwood shows up throws him a shovel and basically points a gun to his head, right? So I was like, oh, crap, he's here. All right. And then by the time they both get there, then a second shovel gets dropped down and it's Lee Von Cleve. It's like, it's easier if two people dig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And then they dig and then they decide that they're going to have the ultimate three-way truel I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's not a duel. It's a uh, it's a, a three-way rule. <laughs> Three yeah, rule. Exactly. A triul. Triul, yeah. which is one of the ultimate scenes ever, and they're all looking at each other. The classic. Close in the, the, in the circle. Looking, looking. In a circle. Yeah, right. In a circle. And then when they finally shoot, spoiler. I mean, spoiler, obviously, but they both shoot. <laughs> Leave and Cleave. Leave and Cleave. Because so, you should. He is a bad should. man. He's a bad man. <laughs> right. Which then they look at each other and they try to get to the grave. Goes in there. There's nothing in there but a dead body. And he's like, but you told me that was the name. I said, no. I told you the name on the grave. The grave is actually the unknown soldier next to that grave. Mm -hmm. And so they look at that. They find the gold. And they split the gold. Mm-hmm. But Blondie doesn't trust him. <laughs> mm -hmm. As he should not. <laughs> As he should not. So he leaves the four, there's eight bags of gold, right? He leaves four bags of gold on the, on the ground and uh, puts them on a, on a stool. No, what, what is he standing on? I forgot what he's standing on. He's standing yeah, yeah. on something rinky dinky, right? Yeah. Gravestone. Uh, Oh, the gravestone. The, yeah, he's standing on the gravestone. Rickety. It's like, uh, uh, and like it's he's forcing him to stand, stand on this. Yeah, with a rope around his neck. Rope around his neck, <laughs> and and he basically rides off, and he's like, 
about to fall and he's like about to get hung right mm-hmm. and he goes and they do that that they do that that the, the music they play when someone's riding off is awesome it's like morricone he's still going and still going and it's like and you see and and they also use a very wide lens so it makes him look like he's really freaking far mm-hmm. right turns around he shoots the rope when he's once he's far enough and it's going to take him too long to right. follow him right. <laughs> and doesn't want to give up his gold so that right. he could make his escape. And he yells at him. And that's the Blondie, end of the you son of a weapon! <laughs> Freeze friend. Yeah, Pardon. it is terrific. And, and, my, and one of my all-time favorite lines, there's two kinds of people in this world, those with the gun and those who dig. <laughs> <laughs> So good, so good, so good. Yes, uh, that that is a yeah. Well, it is that is the this movie is the definition of a masterpiece. Like it yeah. is, like because I think when we were talking about Lawrence of Arabia earlier, like there's there's two kinds of ways you can go with movies, right? One yeah. is to do what is established flawlessly. That's Lawrence of Arabia, and the other is to do what no one has ever done before flawlessly right <laughs> that's good the bad and the ugly <laughs> like that is uh that it's every time i see it i'm just like comic book movies eat your heart out this is this is the real deal these are this is what fucking dramatic storytelling is yeah i was i was just like by the end of after finishing last night i was like i have no regrets of no suggesting regrets, this movie yeah and i don't know why i doubted myself but i'm like well, I think that there's a little bit of, um, there's a, there's an, cause I think, I mean, it's obviously regarded as, you know, like a classic film, Sure. but, but even so I think it is still, uh, it represents a certain kind of, uh, film fan in like, people are just like, I guess you like those kinds of movies kind of way, Sure. you know, and, uh, you know, this happens a lot with Clint Eastwood movies you know, from, you know, good, the bad and the ugly through. Yeah, whatever N- name a clue dirty harry, or dirty harry. <laughs> yeah. um and every uh which way but loose. I, i'm a fan <laughs> of every which way would lose yeah like yeah. and everyone and every which every which way you can every which way would lose their goodness um but because they have very strong sort of posturing feelings against clint eastwood movies people sort of look down their nose at people that like this kind of stuff and to those kind of people i say fuck you <laughs> like you're a snob and i have no time for that kind of baloney like you should be able yeah. to love great art for being great art right. don't be a dick about it lord's sakes and the fact like, that you can't see that that's art yeah yeah and you know i need to see a fellini film to be art then yes you are then you're not appreciating the fellini film like no if, if you're not doing justice to that either if you right. think that this makes you if you if you think by liking one over the other uh, makes you a better person somehow, then you're not doing justice to either one. Right. Like that is a, that's a silly position to take. And uh, it's okay if you don't like it. That's it's not a bread's cup of tea. That's okay. Um, but like looking, to, looking down your nose at folks for liking stuff like this is just like, yeah, I would question your, your own uh, reason for liking what you like. Well, I think what I think is great about this is you can tell that, all the people involved in making this movie absolutely love making movies. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. No, no screwing around. Right. Like from the Foley artists yeah. <laughs> to the, they're constructing this world for you to the and bridge, the guy who built the bridge, the guy who like, you know, the donkey with the water scene. Like that's oh, great. <laughs> the kid riding the thing. Yeah. And it's just like, like, I was just like, which, and that, that, that even made me think, Oh, you know, uh, fucking what's the name we made Conan the barbarian. Also like this because you see Conan doing the same thing, right? <laughs> Just like, oh, this is, this is Conan. Here's another line. Another line. There's two kinds of spurs: some that come through the door, others that come through the window. <laughs> the window. That one is good. <laughs> so good. So good, man. Yeah, no, this this movie is just endless. I like I like the I like the other dollars maybe. Fistful of dollars is really good. Uh a few dollars more is pretty good. Not as good as this though. But it's not as good as this. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna watch one, watch this one a hundred times over the other two. Yeah. The other two are like sketches for this one. Like they're just yeah. like maybe they're do like, it like this, maybe do it like this. And they're still very good movies. Um right. but this this is the real home run. And I would say that this is every bit as good as like Once Upon a Time in America, which is also great. I love right. that film, but I love um I love uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, oh, once upon, yeah we like, did a watch party. Yeah. Remember? Yep. Yeah, that is yeah another like that's a. I actually have a slight affinity for that one because it's yep, even I do like I'm just like there's something even weirder and operatic mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, like it's really deep. That's a deep cut movie. It um, is, but I think the character building in this one seems a. Little, yeah, this is yeah. I agree with you about it. I think yeah. I think that it's this. This is a much more. Like this movie is engaging the audience more and saying, we love this. You love this. Let's go have a good time. Right. And then I think for once upon a time, in the West, like the, it is not trying to, it's saying you can come or not. I don't even give a shit. We're just doing this. And so it's a little bit less likable and a little bit, a little bit less engaging, I guess, or at least it's not working as hard to get you, get, get you on board. Uh, but that's also the thing I like about it. I'm just like, this is a very strange, like creepy film. Um, and it's a little bit more, it's a riskier movie to have made, but I, I, I'm splitting hairs when I say that I like one over the other, like they're all, they're both works part. Absolutely. Right. Fantastic. right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but happy I birthday. Think, what a great movie. That was, I know. that was, that was great. I'm really excited. We did that. Uh, I think we're going to take a two minute commercial break. Love it. And then, uh, when we do that break, we will be, um, uh, we'll come back and we'll be talking about um, Miami, Miami Vice. Vice. Miami. Miami Vice. Miami, Miami Vice. Exactly. Miami Vice. And um, I think I'm going to set up my fly tying because I'm going to start. Yeah. I love this. I think this should be a whole other window of uh, of the show. Yeah. Like, yeah. Inset that next to tonight's show, Miami Vice. Like we have on one side, it's the spaceman, and the other side is you flying, is uh, tie flying. Fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so well, I'll take a two-minute break. You guys can keep talking. I'm going to set up a few things, so I'm going to turn off my camera. But, uh, yeah, if, we'll be if back you in are, two minutes. Uh, if you're a yeah. subscriber, you will continue to hear us. Yes. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, you will see ads. So oh. we urge you to subscribe so you hear what we talk about behind the ad veil. Yeah, absolutely. They pay, and, and then you find out we're like, we take a break. Yeah, <laughs> we just need empty windows. <laughs> take it easy, guys. Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to put, for those of you who, I mean, I know we've said this a couple of times, but uh, if you'd like to join our Discord, I'm going to put that in the chat. That would be a good time. You can join our oh, Discord. Oh, yeah. Head it up. Um, uh, lots of stuff's happening on Discord. And if you are a subscriber to us on Twitch, you get access to our special branch of Discord, uh, which uh, has, a, a, you know, 
the subscriber lounge and suggestions of movies and things of that nature. So you'll be part of that as well. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Uh, and we'll start in two for two minutes and then we'll be back in two minutes. Perfect. See you on the other side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See licorice pizza as soon as you can. I was just thinking that. I was like, I got <laughs> that movie is outlandish, outlandish. Uh, yeah. like it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's the kind of movie I'm, I'm just like, I'm surprised they even got it made. It's so, it's such a, uh, it, it's, it is antithetical to. Why are you surprised it, it got made? Because everything about it is something that people don't want to see right now. I think. Hmm. I think that it's it's so like it it is, it's a really earnest uh, love story uh, that is confrontational about how sort of cringy and sticky falling in love with someone is. It's this you know, really inappropriate relationship between a 25 year old and a 15 year old, you know, it's like everything. People just have endless criticisms of what this movie is. And then the movie not only just goes, these are your problems. It just like, just goes, I, don't, I don't give a shit. Sorry. Uh, but it actively makes things uh, even stranger. Right? Like everything that happens in the movie is beautifully strange. It's really, really wild. Totally, totally beautiful movie. Really emotionally accurate movie. And an incredibly funny movie. All right. Oh, well, I'm going to check it out. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I Um, think you'll get a kick out of it. How long is it? It's pretty long. I think it must be, it must be over two hours. I'm, 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 I'll have to check it. But I was really, I was really thrilled. I was like, because like, there's other stuff like, I, I still don't get the master. I don't, like, like I, I, I think it's br- I think it's brilliantly acted, and the photography is great. But like, there's something that doesn't land with me yet about that movie. But keep on giving it a shot. Uh, and it took me two times to get through Phantom Thread, which I ultimately really, really liked. Um, but I wasn't. I was having a tough time getting into it the first time I watched it. The second time I watched it, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a really good one. Um, but this movie is just like it's. This is up there with, like, like there will be blood. There will be blood. Uh, Boogie Nights and this are always going to be my my go tos with that guy. All right, hmm. I'm back. You guys can see. Let's Here we go. Good. It's a good setup, right? See that? Uh, yes. So I'm going to tie a carp fly while we talk Love about it. Miami Vice. Oh, that's yes, <laughs> this is perfect. Mm. So, All right. Chris, my, my Chris, you've yes. never seen. While you're to start, you're tying off. Yeah. One um, time went <laughs> off. Um, the you had never seen this before. Have you? Yeah. What, how many times have you seen it before? Once in the theaters, and I disliked it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you disliked it. But things change. Did you like Heat? <laughs> I love Heat. Because <laughs> there's a lot this, of... This is a film... I, I mean, I'll just give you... Like, I really enjoyed this film. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you this. I probably enjoyed it even more because I enjoy you and I love how much this film. <laughs> I, I completely take that as a compliment. Yeah, because I enjoy you and I can I could watch this movie and say, oh, my God, I can see how Dan is just loving this. In the same way yes. that I love The Good and Bad, The Ugly. Like, oh, this okay. feels good. This feels good. I would, 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 oh, go ahead, sir. Yeah, please. Sorry. So you go first. But, I was going to say, I think that there is something to be said in the idea that – 
Heat is the Lawrence of Arabia of Michael Mann films. There you go. This is right. this, okay. And Miami Vice is films. the is the uh, is the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of uh, Michael That's Mann films. A great segue. Did you like it a lot when you first saw it in the theater? No. Yes. No. I was confused by it. I was like, I yes. think there's stuff that I liked. I don't know. It's kind of a mess. Like I, I just didn't. I didn't get it. Like I was just like, I, th- I. It's good. I'm glad I saw it. But it was. I was kind of like wobbly on it. I liked it more than most people did, but I, but I didn't, I didn't have a fully positive feeling when I walked out. Okay. okay. Like it was, it was, it was like, it was cheesy. It was noisy. It was hard to follow. It was like Definitely all these those things. things. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and now I say all that as if those things are absolutely terrific. <laughs> right. It's sort of like, it's sort of exactly like what I was saying when I was like, somehow self-conscious about liking good man the ugly and then by the end it's like why am i self-conscious this why is film. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah but but i'm uh, now i'm um, I've, I've been very vocal about uh, this movie obviously on the podcast uh, right uh so please take it away and I, I will i will throw in my thoughts and and but I, I would love to hear what you guys have to say about this well uh, okay so that was a great way of putting it it's like it's like this is a movie that's like trying to take heat <laughs> and just going like a little bit more crazy with it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It, heat had, heat had a cohesive plot that made more sense. This, yes. yeah. this is, mm-hmm. well, okay. First of all, what, what came, the show came first, right? Show came first. Michael Mann produced the show. Produced the show. A couple of, a couple of episodes. Yeah. I think he did the first season though, right? Did the, yeah, I think that's true. And the show itself was like I like the show. Yeah, I like the show a lot. It's a good show. The, but the, but the show good. itself was also like that was one of the jokes about the show is like how can this uh how can this um <laughs> these guys in the Miami police department have all this stuff. Oh yeah. Right? I mean it's like the, sh- the show is like a very um how can I say it? Like I think fantasy. it's a Yeah, it's a fantasy. And it's like, a, like it's, and drugs, and yeah. but you're on the good side, not right. the bad side. Right, exactly. And I think I think that the like there is a when this when the movie came out, people had such a negative view of the uh, of the of the show, like oh, it's all pastel suits and corny, yeah. blah blah blah. That that's what they were expecting. They they were expecting the sort of the Will Ferrell comedy version. All uh, right, they were going to yeah. And to like, we should make fun of this because the eighties, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and cause like the show, when the show was on, like it was fucking cool. Like that was a really cool show. And it was like the style. I don't know. Incredible. They were making fun of it on, on golden girls. <laughs> yeah. But that, by that point. Yeah. But I mean like the, for, but it was not like, it wasn't like a joke unto itself. It was a very, it was a very successful show. It was a very serious show. And uh, like, it was a hard drive and serious thing. It's, highly stylized and very you know heightened like they're fucking you know driving around these incredible cars and blah 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 and like it's you know it's like on a level it's sort of it's sort of silly mm-hmm. um uh but it's it's the same as what you're saying about westerns it's like like this is not westerns aren't the west westerns aren't american history and uh they're a heightened reality or a heightened mythological version of of events and the original show Miami Vice sort of does that you know it's like this is kind of a cowboy cop story everything is heightened to the extreme styles the drama the everything like this 
And it really embraces that. And for the most part, it's, it's a really, really good show. Yeah. Like so, you have to be, you have to click with it for it to, to, for it to fly. But what's also interesting, you've got these, so you've got Colin Farrell. I mean, honestly, and also the other thing is like, there's not, not this similar from Good and Bad. There's very little dialogue in this. Yeah, it's very, very but it has better shower scenes than the good value. I have a lot it definitely has a lot scenes. of shower scenes. Uh, very, the shower scenes are integral to this movie. Yes, that's uh, so, one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot is is what you would expect in some ways. Well, They're basically the plot is pretty much laid out. You know right. it from because you're in yeah. Miami. Because you're in Miami, yeah, drug busting. In Miami. Yeah, yeah. You only uh, <laughs> certainly like. I would, I would say that people going to this movie, like, there's a lot of heavy technical descriptions of what's going on. You don't need to pay attention to any of that. Right. Like, it doesn't make any difference. Like that's just that's like techno babble on Star Trek. Jargon. It's just jargon. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter who's like, like shipping the loads to the blah 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 and, blah, blah, and like with this the FBI right. and the feds and this like doesn't make any difference. None of that I'm makes any charge. difference. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm running this operation. Yeah, like all um, you all you gotta know is that these guys are undercover and that's dangerous <laughs> and that's literally it. Right. Everything else is everything else. But it's also the same thing was like the FBI, the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, uh, what's the ATF, everyone's involved and no one, all their covers are blown. So the only people they can rely on to get into the system is the Miami Vice Department. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They're the outsiders who have buried themselves too deep. Yes. This, seeing this again, I just grabbing a quick bite. Yep. Seeing this again made me want to get deputized. What if we just try to get all of us deputized? With the, it's MG's new, yeah, I think that's the next stage. I think that's it. We start yeah. fighting crime. Drive around my pilot. And <laughs> the other thing that's also, yeah, the other thing that's really like, it's, it feels very heady, shall mm-hmm. we say, is, but the, like you take relationship heat, with and then you go up to 11, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You go up to 11, right? You're like, the relationship to women, we're going to get into that for a second, but like, just, I'm just talking about the general vibes, right? You're like, mm-hmm. just watching, like, I'm, I'm talking about like going onto a ride and you walk into the room before the attraction actually happens and you haven't mm-hmm. had any time. You're just the music, the high contrast, the glitz, the oh, glitz. Yes. yes. There's a lot of glitz. And imagine that the, the opening, this is this movie this is the original cut of the movie, not the director's cut, which I also have good things to say about. But the original cut, uh, which is, I assume, which, which you guys watched, opens with the cut to the dancer and the music. Like, yes. you're just in the... Okay. That is one of my favorite opening shots of all time. Like, it, you are suddenly in it. Like, there's there's no explanation at all. Like, the movie just goes warms up with a little tiny bit of music and then goes, anyway, we're in a club. And you're like, whoa, yeah. shit. <laughs> that does yeah. start. I know. Yeah. 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 I know it's what like you're saying. The coldest of cold opens. And it's Was just that not terrific. in the original cut. No, that, that's, that's only in the original cut. And it's the one, it's the one thing that I love about the original cut over the director's cut. The director's cut is a very sort of, uh, as a beautifully shot and very lavish, uh, speedboat race sequence, which is awesome to watch. It's beautiful. Oh, I remember. It's really, really great. Um, oh, and it's no, wait, I did. That's what, that's what I watched. I watched okay, it when then, it started with the okay. Speedboat race. The, 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 only, the only thing that is uh, better about the original cut is I prefer the cold open at the club. 
Like, and if okay. you see it, it's just like, it just cuts from the like, universal logo to a dancer in the club and the music is blasting. There's no speed boats, nothing. You're just in the scene. And uh, it's the only thing that I would say, uh, if he ever does another edition of this, I was just like, the rest of the director's cut is a plus, but just bring the old opening back. The old openings is perfect. Um, here's a question for you. Um, what did he shoot this on? Because shitty video. Was it a DV? Yeah, a lot of DV. That's what I thought. Really? Yep. Yeah. There's some so film. There's some noise. film also. There was yeah. so much noise. Yep. It was yep. part of that revolution of DV cams. I was like, yep. did he use a DV cam? Yep. That's yeah, cool. Good. I have no respect And, and so, so that was standard definition, maybe. Yeah, that's SD. And, and yeah. this is something because like, it's actually a really That's pretty amazing. That's why yeah. there's so much noise at this it's night. huge show. noise all over the place, right? And like, it's- But it's actually the- really pretty noise. Yeah. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Like, which which is weird because you know normally you don't get noise that looks that pretty unless it's filmed. By the way, those right. shootouts were great. Aren't they great? Yeah, it's yeah, my great. god, the flesh in the car yeah. and the arm comes off. We can, by the way, I want to. I don't think he's here today, which is too bad. But uh, Dave, three D guy, did all of his effects. Really? Dave, uh, 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 yes, a chat champion, Dave, three D guy. If you guys see him in the chat, he did all of the uh, the bullet wounds, the ground, uh, the gore effects, the gun stuff, all that stuff. That's all him. Like where uh, it's CG. It's yeah, like cool. It's a mix of CG and practical, but there's a lot of stuff that's just raw CG that he did that looks utterly real. Um, and like that, like they, when the guys are getting shot up the car, the guy's arm flies off. All that stuff. And it's wow. brilliant. Uh, really, he's a brilliant VFX artist, and that is a that's an incredible showpiece for his work. The whole movie is just incredible. Really, like all the bullet hits feel like like very very physical. The sound design is great. And uh, sound design was like, hey, it was so damn good. Yeah. The sound design was really, really good. It just, to me, it's just like, this is Heat taken up to 11. Yeah, it's like a comic book version of Heat. It's like, yes. it's like it's jacked way up there. It's operatic. Which is it's funny because we're operatic. already talking about Heat, which is pretty high to start with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it, Heat is like, Heat is an opera by itself, right? Um, uh, but it's, but it's very stately. It's, it's a very, but this is like almost like the music video version of. Heat. Yeah, this is like <laughs> like no like this. The, he just un, un, uh, like takes off all of the uh, all the locks and just like we're fucking going hundred miles an hour. Everything yeah. is hundred miles an hour, and uh, and I think that the video is like he fell in love with working in DV, like he did Collateral and Public Enemies and this all with uh, low end DV, and um and it's just it's a weird window. Um, of movie making because digital was happening. Uh, but, uh, uh, it, like he was the only one who was still willing to make it look shitty. Like he's just like, well, he didn't care. He felt he was getting the nuance, the story. So yeah. screw it. Well, isn't yeah. that around the same time as like, you remember, remember the other one that was happening around that time was 28 days later. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's in effect. Right. Right. And so 28 days later was like, I've never seen anything like this. And right. it was something beautiful. There, there's Lynch something doing stuff with DB. Yeah, too. Exactly. Cause he does Lynch does um, uh, inland empire all on DB. And cause right. all these guys look at this and go like, there's a certain kind of beauty to this that no one's exploiting. And they only did it for that short period of time. Right. And then right. all of a sudden the Alexa came out and then they all gave up on it, but it was like the super eight of the time. Right. It yeah. was like something that was interesting about that specific kind of digital yeah, noise. And, it, and it produces a real strange emotion when you watch that stuff. Yeah, it does. You know? 
and uh, and because you can get we're using that it's like you know like bubble even, wasn't bubble done on that oh bubble yeah bubbles uh, Soderbergh's bubble which I really love is also uh, uh, DV mini DV and like all these movies like like especially like uh, man's work and uh, twenty eight days later like that stuff is like you can I mean today we can put the camera anywhere we want also but there's but we don't really do that that much. Like there's something proper about the way we, we've gone back to shooting in a very elegant, beautifully framed proper way, yeah. you know, whereas like there's shots in Miami vice, which are just like, they glued the camera to the car, you know, and like, they just mounted, it's fucking throw the thing, you know? And Did like, they right, really, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just like, he's thinking like a much younger filmmaker. Uh, cool. And, and really he's just like, we get like, we can get a beautiful shot here if we just, literally hold it up in the air out of the car while we're driving with my arm. You know? Yeah. But it, everything feels so rich. Yeah. Which is personal. Yeah. Right. I'm getting this, Dan. This is interesting because mm-hmm. that's the way you like to do films. That is the way I like to do films, baby. You know, <laughs> yeah. you that's know. the way you like to do I films. Like that way too. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I think it's like, I just don't like a the... big thing and people, more people telling you what the fuck to do. Yeah, how, can I, how can I make this? It. How can I make this five dollar solution look like a million bucks? Exactly. I used to build rigs, man. In LA, I had built beautiful dolly rigs, all this stuff in my garage. It was awesome. Yeah. Do it like DIY should always be your. That should be your base position. Yeah, like, and you should always feel like you're doing. Even if you're doing really like very you know, well framed, nice stuff, like you should always be thinking like this. And when I see like man and whatever like people just like obviously running forward with the ball as fast as they can they don't give a shit what it looks like like i'm just like that's why it looks great that's why it looks great i got it so so you guys know justin our bad boy bubby friend yep magnificent uh, magnificent guy so he I, I'm, i don't know how much i'm i'm gonna say it anyway but he he and i have been talking about virtual production for for a long long time and he's kind of a cool he's kind of a cool guy right so well he is a really cool guy but uh like right now like it used to be when you're making virtual production stuff you need to spend like millions of dollars creating motion capture sets and crazy stuff like that right i don't want to do that i don't think virtual production you can you there's ways you can do things with with bubble gum and duct tape that i think it's kind of cool yep and so, for example, now they've made a solution where you can take an iPad because it's got AR kit built in yeah. and just plug it in with a thing and you, boom, you just use an iPad, which is cool, which is nice because that means all you need is an iPad, yeah, right? Right, right? But then you're kind of tied to the whole system. You don't have the flexibility. You don't have the, well, what else can I do kind of feeling to it. Mm-hmm. And so he started building his own virtual camera thing with just shit he bought on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Like cool. he like he bought some Bluetooth controllers. <laughs> yeah. Plug those in. Mm-hmm. He bought a like a cheap monitor and then used a mirror cast system to do that, to plug that in, to do that. And he goes and he says, after like I started just hot gluing this thing together and right. goes, I'm getting better latency or less latency mm-hmm. than the iPad. And I can make it do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, exactly. And nice. that's cool. Yeah, that's fucking cool, man. Right? The, and, you want immediacy. You want to. Well, it's that. also it's like it's also it's like me building this freaking fly here. It's like mm-hmm. no, I made that. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna, you know, I can go out to the fly shop and do that. But 
but what if I wanted a different, you know, if, what if I wanted a lead high instead of a bead chain eye yep. and I wanted this and that, and I was like, Oh, and what if that flash was green instead of whatever? Yeah. Like, it's I yours. It is absolutely yeah. yours. This is you right. For a while. So, right. so it's the, that's the thing that I think is like, 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 let's make that the way you want it to be. And like, and yeah, and it's take, it takes time to make this fly. Yep. That's yep. okay. That's what that's makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Like it, that's the, the experience is coded into the object. Also, I got to tell you, when you catch a fish on a mm -hmm. fly that you tied as opposed to one that you bought at a store. You feel like a champion. You feel like I created something that fooled a fish. Yeah, I right? did this. I did this. And then from from raw materials, it's a very right. different experience. Yep. And so I think that, that that's the same thing. When then Justin was trying to show me some of the stuff that he's building and it was like, yeah. And then he's like. Yeah, I can send you the blueprint. Like he literally, like, and this is like he's such a good guy. He's like, he sent me an Amazon shopping list of things to buy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah, he's like, it. oh yeah, let's do like do this and do that. I was like, that's freaking awesome, right? Yep. And so there's something a little bit about about that greediness that is cool, and I think that's the thing, right, Dan? It's like when you're talking about like let's just put this camera out the door, right? Yep. And let's figure this out. My classic example that I've used in many many conversations is the um, is the car crash we did in v-ray irl mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. that cost zero dollars and looks yep. like we we actually crashed a car but no car was actually crashed or even close to crashed mm -hmm. just with a little cool. bit of sound design yep it's you and just some, have and some editing trickery you're making yeah, yeah exactly yeah that's it like you know what you want to see do that mm-hmm you know, it's all like everything is everything is a every trick. time someone I've, I watch everyone's reaction as that car crash happens, which mm -hmm. doesn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. exactly. I go, oh, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like there was actually no car. How crash did you guys do that? Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. And that's yeah. because like then and, and <laughs> like because we're thinking when we were making that well, whole thing, but when we we're making the, in that sequence. Right. Like we weren't thinking about the stuff we couldn't do. Like we were thinking about what we can't, what, like we need to have this visual. So let's figure it out. You know, yeah. like this has to happen. What, the next what thing actually, what, what, what are you supposed to infer from what happened? That's what, that's even yeah. more specific. Cause the movie like, happens you're supposed in your to, mind. You're that's supposed why, to, yeah. Make it, the movie for the saying, brain. Instead of saying, Explain the audience that, needs to see a car crash. You mm -hmm. need to say the audience needs to understand that a car crash happened. They need to imagine they've seen a car crash. <laughs> yes. That is the important thing. The movie happens in their mind and it should be there. If they are invested in the creation of that image in their own mind, they will feel it more because they're part of its creation. That's the yep. whole idea. Like you, you, you direct them in a certain way so that this thing occurs to them and surprises them, but they're yes. the ones who thought it. Yep. That's why it feels personal and physical and real, you know? And the, the best way to do that is that when you are in the situation shooting it is you need to operate the same way. You need to be like, I'm here and I'm doing this and I'm going to do the thing that feels right. You know, then you're going to make the right choice. And if you if you're like, well, how how would it mean that we've got to make this very proper and make it much more legitimate looking and we have to do the right kind of light. it's just like fuck all that stuff. Like what do you want to see? Yep. Like what is it you want to appear in my mind? Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. And then that's what's gonna that's what's gonna punch people. Yeah. yeah. Because I think they did something similar when that guy walked down the middle of the truck. Oh, it's great. Oh. John Hawks, man. That whole sequence is just a, a masterpiece to me. Oh, it's and, great. It's just it was like, great. like from, from the moment you like, you see 
like they get the call like this the so they're at the club right <laughs> they don't explain why they're at the club pretty much no. at all they're like some guys running some you know prostitutes it's very high end and they're going to try oh, to yeah, get yeah. that guy. It, it's, it's human trafficking. Human it's trafficking very, is happening, yes. right? And Which, uh, it's and, Miami. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, like, you get a sketch of why they're there, but you're already they're already deep in it and have no time. By the to way, can we not happening. say human trafficking? There's such a negative connotation. Can we just say human exchanging? It just exactly trafficking it's, it's, is such a negative exchange bartering. on the business. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, it has an impact. There are people. The that Better Business Bureau is so. really trying to change it around <laughs> here. Right. Trying to so like, use it, like at, more neutral language would be appreciated. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, <laughs> so, like they 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 set this thing up. They sketch this entire idea very quickly, right? And the entire scene is about. Uh, how is uh, is about describing the character relationships between Colin Farrell, Jamie Fox, and uh, especially Trudy, which is Car- which is uh, Jamie Fox's girlfriend in the movie, right? Who's oh, on yeah. the team? Right? She's freaking hot. And, she's, and she's so fucking hot, awesome, dude. Which is great. And 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 sorry, like you see, disparage sure, it. That but... shower scene was like what? Oh, beautiful. This, the, the, there's two shower scenes. It's very important. There is, there are two very, shower scenes. Very important that there are two shower scenes. We'll get to that part. But the this opening is you when you see Jamie Fox like go into, I'm going to take care of this. Like he just snaps into action and nothing is going to stop him. Right? He's like the bouncer gets in the way, breaks the bouncer's hand, puts him on the ground, and snaps. It was good. Again. You know, and like you're just in this immediate moment, right? And they're caught up in the wave of this when uh, John Hawks calls. John Hawks is not related to the scene at all. And he's like, you know, he's a, a stool pigeon that uh, they've been using for, you know, pinning down drug dealers. But this guy's emotional story is so much bigger than the scene that they're in. Say stool pigeon again. I love that. A stool pigeon. And so, uh, and that. The, the movie just carries the emotion that it's built up with those characters and then transfers it to the John Hawkes storyline. Like you know, the momentum you get out of this scene, which you never get fully explained, suddenly provides the emotional energy to go into the John Hawkes story before you even understand what's happening. And John Hawkes is like, my, you know, these neo-Nazis have captured my girlfriend. They know that I'm working with the cops and they say they're going to kill her and I don't know what to do. And this movie never gives you one minute to figure out where you are. The only thing that is solid is these forces of Fox and Farrell driving forward to do good, right? Like they're desperately trying to catch up with a thing that's just beyond their reach. And when you get to, um, uh, 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 the, uh, I just said his name, John, um, Hawks. John Hawks, when he's on the side of the road, you know, and they get the news that his wife has been killed, mm. you know, that was and, very much like heat where yeah, uh, yeah. Danny trio. Yeah. Yeah. When, with his, with his dead wife. Exactly. And it, there's such like profound sadness, like all of the, all of the energy of the movie. Right. That just, it's just like, it starts like, like a shot. Yeah. And it just goes, and it leads up to John Hawks uh, realizes his wife is gone. The one thing that was important to him in his whole life. And you have that brilliant shot of he is, Jamie Foxx is trying to talk him down. Like, you don't need to go home. You don't need to go home. Like, I'm sorry this has happened, but you know, we'll, we'll talk you through this. 
he is the focus is on Jamie Foxx, John Fox, John Hawk's point of view. And then the focus drifts from Jamie Foxx to the highway, which is right next to them. And you right. know, in that instant, what he is thinking. Right. Right. And then in the very next shot, he steps in front of a truck and gets taken out. And all you see is the blood on the road. Like the reason why that is such a, sorry for the word, impactful moment <laughs> is because not because you see him get crushed by a truck. It's because you knew what he was going to do the second before he did it. And there is no way to stop it. Like, duh, 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 duh. Yeah. no, like you realize, Oh fuck. And then it's, it's gone. It's already too late. It's already too late. And, and first of all, you're, you're, you're in a situation that is uh, like you, you feel vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. You're on the side of a freaking highway. Yeah. Everyone's been there. You feel the car is going, whoosh, you know, you've really, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? Like if you get out of your car on the side of a highway, which some of us have done in our lifetime, yeah. It's it terrifying. is a very, very, very terrifying dangerous. experience. Yeah. No matter what. Right. Yeah. And you've got, like, you've got, you've got massive pieces of metal traveling at 75 miles an hour next to you. Yeah. That's how um, a lot of state troopers die. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. All you need is one little clip and then you're just flying. That's the end of it. Yeah. You know? And so like this scene, like because they don't, uh, number one, because they don't take the time to explain anything. Like you, you just grapple onto it emotionally. The punchline of the scene, like the payoff of that scene is uh not you a punchline that's not the right word yeah well you like the, the payoff of that scene <laughs> because it uh, is but it's yeah, not <laughs> yeah the uh, the way you hear the truck, punchline the of truck impact of that scene <laughs> wah, 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 yeah, <laughs> is that uh there is uh there is a person who is who is in, utterly in love with his wife right and because of his job he has lost her right and so it tells you what the stakes of the movie are about to be. That's right, interesting this is at the very early because point. I literally, uh, it's really interesting to say that because I was watching this and I was like, I wondered about three quarters. Once the feds got in at the end, mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if Michael Mann is saying how much, if he dislikes um, bureaucrats. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. Yes. yes. Right. <laughs> He's so like, in a way this, this guy, and right. they even say, you know, all this for a job. Is yeah. what Jamie Foxx said at the hospital later. Yeah. I was like, does he hate uh, bureaucrats? And this is like, because when the guy killed himself, I was like, oh, because he, you said, because it's between his family and his wife and his right. job. It's like, right. is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? And this is the thing is like, I mean, and you've, you guys have heard me say this before. I always like, uh, it's not always true, but I always like to look at filmmakers, like movies reveal how filmmakers feel about their art all the time like consciously or unconsciously, right? And I feel ultimately that uh, Michael Mann talks a lot about like his, like his obsessive commitment to the job that he loves versus what he does not get to experience because he's obsessed with that. And so in Heat, it's like all of these characters, like it's like all the women, and I would say, I would argue all the women in all of his films are, incredibly well-drawn, real, rich, very, you know, like realistically drawn, excellent characters, right? And uh, and they're almost always married to or dating, whatever. Uh, these men who man obviously identifies with, who are like, they want uh, the home life and the happiness and the marriage and the family, but they are driven to do this other thing and these things are often at odds, right? And when you're making a movie, 
which right. is like like in heat when like he right. tries to go home but he can't and yeah, she's like just, like what the like, fuck the home life is done for you <laughs> right. buddy exactly you're done exactly <laughs> and so like this this kind of like these forces and, and you know it could be you know a marriage it could be a friendship it could be whatever it is but i mean like there there are these passionate forces that drive you from other things you love because you can't uh master what the master the thing you're obsessed with you know and uh and so in this movie i feel like and this is gonna get really meta for a second i feel uh the movie is actually about a single person and that single person is michael mann mm. right and you've michael said this Ma- before yeah though. this i you th- all the thing is i think this is like it, it, i apply this to every movie not I that see. i think it's dumb i just no. think you've said this about i, I'm, I think it's before. an interesting way to look at movies and sometimes it's really clear and sometimes it's a little bit it's it's stretch but with his movies in particular i feel like it's it can be very on point which is like there's two forces in michael mann right one is jamie fox who is like totally committed very legitimate you know we do it and we we are doing this because we love it but we're doing it in a sort of like a a straightforward way in which we don't get uh romantic about it like like there's a job here to do. Like this is the professional Michael Mann who makes Hollywood movies, right? It's interesting that, that Jamie Fox is that person, right? Right, right. And then you have the passionate, uh, loose cannon, the romantic, the romantic. He's a romantic. He's a romantic. Like, and Colin Farrell is the romantic. Yeah, he's like, totally the romantic. Like he is like he like he is absolutely passionately in love, um, with uh uh. Uh, I, I forgot the character's name. Just look at my Anyway, the, like the, the or something. Yeah, uh, uh, Lee, yeah, like the the drug the you know the drug dealing woman, right? And right. Um, and like he like he just falls for her crazily. And these two forces, like you're telling a story about, like, um, which she shouldn't because she's the fucking she's she's the villain. I mean, in terms villain. of law, she is the bad guy, right? Um, but these two forces, like is is what miami vice is you know like as a movie it is like this is trying to be an established big budget hollywood movie on one end and then on the other end it's shot with shitty dv cameras like being thrown out of windows and but it's not shot the the thing is man even i'm sorry but even with shitty dv cameras it looks it doesn't look like it it looks incredible i'm not saying it looks bad but but like it's it's a very immediate uh passionate you know, like in the, in the moment of things movie, you know, because like just going back to the DV camera thing, because I think this is kind of an interesting thing in general, like, like, uh, 28 days later mm-hmm. looked cheap, which was not, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm right. saying it looked like it was shot with things. This it looks looked, more believable as a thing because it looks cheap. Right. But with, with Miami vice that like I, the, 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 the way that it shot and I don't know if the color treatment, was I think it's also because the actors were really pretty and they're, you know, from a context that's different. Yeah. That's, these Hollywood that's actors. true, Eric. That's right. true. Right. These are Hollywood actors, you know? Yeah. And so like, I think that well, this is a great point to bring up because I also say this about public enemies like when public enemies made money, but people think it's a bad, like they, they discount the movie because they they think it looks ugly, right? And I'm like, the only reason you think this looks ugly is because when you're watching a movie set in the 30s, you expect it to look like this division, right? The fact that it's shot on DV cams and has these weird super wide angle lenses and very, very low light and lots of grain 
doesn't match with what your fantasy of the 1930s is. So it's hard to connect. This is actually part of the point of the movie. And with, with Miami vice, it's got movie stars and big locales and it's Miami vice, which is famous and all this kind of stuff. And then it tells this weird, super intense, very, very passionate, very personal story with really not that much action. Like there's action in this movie, but like the middle of the movie is falling in love with the woman he meets. And that's like 35, 40 minutes, like out of the blue in the middle of the movie, you know? And it's just like Colin Farrell is just off to the races, you know? And I think that this is what people didn't expect at all. They didn't know what movie it was. I I, I don't know what brought this up, but I do remember um, it was, it was a, I don't remember Oscar speeches because they're mostly BS, but Mm. There was one that I remember that totally took me by surprise. And I was like practically standing in my chair, like clapping. And it was a woman who won a uh, uh, costume design. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think I do you remember this so. one? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Go ahead. And, and she won costume design. It was for some other crazy, you know, period piece that took place in the, you know, 19th century or 18th, 18th century. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like kind of thing. And it was, you know, this whole thing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she went up on stage and she says, well, thank you very much. He's like, I've got like three of these now, but I really wish you guys would look at films that were different than Mm -hmm. continuing to give Oscars just because someone put on a fucking petticoat. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, exactly. And it was like, it was this thing. It was, it's just, it's that snobby. It's about that, that same snob that wants to see, Oh yes, it's a period piece. So therefore I'm more special. There's a proper way to do this. And this is an example of being proper. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I think it was the same. It was the same year where Tron like, like got, seriously snubbed by the Oscars. And I'm not yep. saying this Tron should have been, a, but Tron should have gotten at least recognized for its costume design. Oh yeah. It's gorgeous. Right. Gorgeous. And, and its visual effects were pretty darn good at the time. Now I know yep. there was a lot of politics behind that as well, but the costume design was fabulous on yeah. Tron Great and movie, should man. have been recognized, yeah. but it was shunned because like, it's not a good movie, which is yep. should not be necessarily uh, uh, the right thing. Anyway, right. There was something about that that was like, the, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and she, the good, good, the bad, the ugly is the same way. Like this is the, this is the wrong way to make a Western. You know? Right. This is, this is improper. That's why we can't take this seriously. Yeah. You know? Hmm. And I think that this is like, I think that Michael Mann, especially who's basically established a brand of his own of doing things like he, you know, like this is like, he has legitimized a certain kind of noir crime film so thoroughly that when he broke from it, people didn't know what to do with that. Like, like, right. but you're supposed to make Michael Mann movies this way, mm-hmm. you know? And instead he goes off and makes at least three movies that are four movies that are utterly in the opposite direction because he is in love with this and with, with the moment of making a movie, not with repeating the thing that he has done. Right. You know? And I think that that's the real beauty because like, uh, like, especially with Miami vice, this is one of the best way ones to say this with, I've said this before, but it's like, all movies are, whether they're fictional or not, but all fictional movies are emotional documentaries. They are making an emotional argument that you believe in. 
Like they are talking well, about you. There's this is how you feel, and it's up on how you want you, to feel, how you right. want to feel, what you value. There's yeah. something about films. Okay, so I one of my wife's pet peeves, and I I actually tend to very much agree with her on this is movies that end with the person writing the script to the movie that you just watched. <laughs> it's hard to pull it. There are good examples, but I understand what you say. Right. <laughs> right. So there's a lot of that. Right. Yes. Right. So, yeah. but it's, and that's how it became a great person. Yeah. Yeah. Look at yeah, you. Congratulations. yeah. Right. Right. And so, 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 but understanding that the, 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 the movie you're watching is in a sense, better consciously or subconsciously about the journey that the person is doing the movie about yes yeah is kind right. of a kind of a wonderful thing if mm -hmm. you're able to do it in a subtle way or in some cases even better if it's if it's if it feels like it's subconscious of the like i didn't even realize the director did that but he did that because it's so deep rooted in his right. subconscious that it right. spewed out it, came, the film, out. Yeah, right? it came out right and so i think that there's something kind of wonderful about those experiences and and uh and i can see that in this film well in it's, some ways. it's interesting because this uh, we talked about it before the the this movie was you know, like it made, it made money. It was okay, but it was not well, it was not well thought of. And most well, it probably wasn't that expensive to make except. For yeah. Like, I'm not, yeah. I, like well, I think the shootouts and there's, stuff. there's some location stuff that's expensive and there's stuff like that, but like the, but largely people are just like, I don't know. I mean, it's all right. It's sort of like, well, well, I think because they expected like super polished visuals and yeah. it was grainy. It was grainy. And like, and everything about it is doing the wrong thing for what they want it to be. Like they want Miami vice to be like about being, super cool and looking or, great or and chicks getting out of hot cars chicks and... getting out of hot cars and whatnot instead you have this extremely romantic movie like like yeah strangely yeah. romantic yeah and, and this is the actual and you core can't the grab onto those characters yeah you like well, they, yeah you don't well, this, know them, right well this is the thing it's like the the this movie has over the course of its life now it's like whatever 14 years old uh, maybe older 17 years old like that people there's there's a great podcast that i recommend uh called miami nice right and uh it's done by the guy who did uh, he's done a bunch of different podcasts on specific movies including heat and stuff like this but he started doing this podcast because he was like i really just love watching miami vice i'm going to bring my friend over we're going to talk about this and how much we love it and it starts out you start listening to the podcast and they just bring people on to talk about miami vice and what they think about it and the podcast starts off kind of goofy and isn't it silly that we like this silly movie and then about six episodes in, like they've dropped that entirely. Like they're talking about it. Like it's a real emotional event. Like mm. everything is now like all of the self-consciousness about loving the movie falls away. And now like they just recently hosted me and Dave 3 d guy uh, did this. Like they just hosted a special edit of their own that mixed the director's cut and the original cut. And they showed it and had people fans and chat uh show up and watch this together with them and the love for this movie wasn't nobody was joking like it was like this is an absolute masterpiece like right. and everybody knew every line and it was just like this is a legendary movie and recently i think it was the atlantic you know the atlantic magazine did a big piece on this like the weird journey of miami vice becoming a modern classic when it was originally thought of as a, a dumb movie you know and so like i think that there is something to this movie that gets 
ultimately under people's skin. Like I said, like I didn't respond immediately to this movie, but the more I watched it, the more it made emotional sense to me till now when I watch it, it's a really emotional movie. Like it'll right. finally wheedle its way all the way into my brain. And uh, I take it as seriously as any other great film that I love. Wow. It's re- it's really strange. And I feel like part of it is like, this must be the kind of what film noir went through. Right. Cause nobody yeah. talks, you know, it's like people don't actually talk like that, you know, like, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was, it would, they were just trash films, right? Yeah. Right. These are just crummy trash films with like, with like bunch of, yeah, we make dudes, like whatever. four of these a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it came into its own to the point where you're like, it started to influence other movies. Like Casablanca is very heavily influenced by uh, noir film. Like there's, there's a lot of that going into that movie carried by Humphrey Bogart. And, uh, and I think that that's, that like it's it's reached a point with this movie where it's like you know it especially these days where it's like everyone young and old prefers very stodgy do it like you did it before superhero movies mm. like uh, a movie like this is sort of uh anathema to everything that we currently believe in did you guys see that article that i put up on the on on um New York Times article about like why the Oscars are are getting shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's, it's a New York Times article. I put it up on our Discord, and it was like, we're not watching the end of the Oscars. We're watching the end of movies. Yeah, we're not watching the because everyone's talking about how the Oscars is getting crappier and crappier, and like yeah. why people don't watch it anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, yeah, it's not because of that. It's because no one cares about movies anymore. Yeah. And then it was like, we need, and it, what was weird is like, we need less superhero films. No, we need more superhero films. Like, really? There's <laughs> yeah. arguments about that? Like, 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 you know, yeah. We don't. Well, I think, I think that there's a, uh, I think that there is, like, my, my suggestion, like, Anne and I talk about this all the time. It's just like, uh, Anne had a great suggestion as to how to save the Oscars. Uh, and it is uh, that they should uh, have it as a, pay-per-view theater experience uh that you make a day out of right and you go to the you go to a theater and you watch it with a bunch of people and i've already dresses up and i'm like you do that in, say in a netflix owned theater right and you also show the oscars on netflix like then the oscars will be seen by billions of people and everyone will love it again but the fact is the way you're doing it now you're showing a celebration of a media that has changed very radically on a network which is dead like you're yeah, an right. old tv technology which nobody connects to anymore yeah right and you're talking about mm-hmm. movies in a way that nobody talks about filmmaking right yeah and people don't care there's such problems right now people don't care about you know what people wear and they've got enough problems that you know? red carpet bullshit yeah, Jesus like, Christ like they've they forgot what movies are because they're so worried about you know making it oh it's a celebration of the movies you know just like you need the Miami Vice of the Oscars <laughs> you need to get in there and actually fucking get in the business again you know and, and talk about what people are really into. well there's something about grit and life that was interesting there was something it was interesting I, I, I because you know it's Oscar Oscars are tomorrow, I guess, right? That's tomorrow. right. Which I didn't remember so, until today. Yes. I didn't remember, right? So uh uh 
there was some article about like here's the here's the 93 Oscars that were uh, nominated ranked right someone ranked them whatever right right but one of the ones that was high up there was interesting uh, that I was like was Rocky mm. like right I was like Rocky now that's an interesting film if you mm. think about how that because that is a that is not out of Africa no no. <laughs> Not right, at all. because there was a period of time in the you know eighties and nineties where like it was all about Afri- out of Africa and Titanic, right? Yeah. Right. But then Rocky, yeah, that's so, a film. That's that an underdog man. Matters. Yeah, that's an underdog. And, and that is a little bit of like if you think of Rocky, you're thinking. Some people think of Rocky and Rambo as similar films. No. Right. No. Definitely no. But I some think- people do. Right, like, they think it's like it's Sylvester Stallone. The sequel to Rocky and the sequel to Stallone is one-dimensional, and he's not right. And he's yes, not, he wrote Rocky, Rocky is excellent writer, unbelievable yeah. as a film. Yeah, and the thing is, like both Rocky and I would argue uh, First Blood are I actually love... great yeah. films. Yes, and then they go off to make shitty sequels. That that's the problem, like. right? Yeah. Because. Star Wars was fascinating. They made a good sequel to Star Wars, but then then they went. Yeah, they right? made a good sequel and they never did it again. Right, <laughs> that was that was it. This is but my cray, crayfish pattern, by the way. I don't oh know. yeah, hang hang on. On a second. Good. Focus. focus, 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 focus. Somewhere, I can kind of tell. I can tell what's going on there. Oh, it would confuse me. I would eat it. Yeah, that would confuse me. <laughs> I'd eat it. I got the, yeah, rub- the rubber legs on there. That's gives it the action that gets them excited uh but yeah like i i i agree it's like there's a i think that we're very very concerned with it's just like i i watched a i've been watching a lot of short films online uh recently and um uh and i've seen a bunch of good ones i'm really amazed at the the incredibly high level of competence with which short movies are made now like the well, yeah because you got a seven cameras like we yeah. were just talking about at the beginning of the right. podcast and that's comparable to that that is far superior than michael and, mann's was no, using <laughs> yeah. even even the one where they shot the good the bad mm-hmm. right yeah yeah absolutely like these are that's, that's a cinema ready camera it's on the low mm-hmm. end but it's good but yeah. it doesn't the the I, I, I used to say this, like my, my dad can never take a good picture with his camera. Mm-hmm. I can give him a Leica. He's never going to take a good picture. Right. And not that you, you actually, because with a Leica, you actually need talent to take yeah. a good picture. Right. Yeah. yeah Just like, because you bought a $9,000 Leica. Right. Doesn't mean you're going to take a good but picture. All the in fact, in the you're world. going to take a bad picture if you don't know how to use well, a Leica. Specifically today, we do something much worse than take bad pictures. We take mediocre pictures and we make right. mediocre looking movies like because these it's so easy now to uh, get good looking stuff. And we use AI to correct it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so you like the, like Netflix movies like there, there are a few Netflix movies. I'm like, this would be a great movie if the photography weren't so fucking lame. Like it's not yeah. that it's bad; it's just that it's so boring. It's like it's like a it's, it's like it's sitcom. average, right? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. yeah, we got rim lighting here and softbox here, and uh, like everything looks totally proper. Teal and orange, teal and yeah. orange. <laughs> I'm just like everything, and like that that like grinding universal sameness is is numbing 
And, uh, and, and, but at the same time, people don't know what to do with themselves when they see something that's new. Like yeah. it's very, it's very difficult to process that because you've gotten to a level of comfort um, with a certain process that when something slams you out of the blue, it can be upsetting. And this happened, this has happened to me a million times. So just like I always talk about, like, like one of my favorite horror movie of all time is don't look now. Right. Yes. And, but the first time I saw don't look now, I hated don't look now because it upset me. Yes. Right. (laughs) And that's the goddamn point, you know, like this is, that's what I should be looking for. I had become complacent in what I watched. And then this thing punched me in the face and I was pissed that I got punched. You know, yeah. and I think that like Miami Vice, I mean, mileage may vary for anybody, but I would say like, it's not insane that people look at this movie as a, uh, a groundbreaking bit of work uh, that is only just being understood in its value to action film for the past 10 years. But I think is there's li- I don't, many. Do, do you think that people are like other directors are looking at Miami Vice as inspiration. I'm sure that absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. In fact, there, there are, there are, there are a number of directors that I've heard interviewed. They're just like this. They just flatly listed. It's one of their favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. you know, as much as they ever did with heat, you know? And I think that, uh, because like when I talk about it, like, uh, you know, I make a joke out of it all the time. I love this movie, but like the, the brilliance of this movie to me is that it is actually a romance movie. It's actually a romance story. And yes. it, Oh, yeah, it definitely is a hundred percent as a romance it's, like that is absolutely but like cool. like to to like I, that was something i did not expect when i saw this it's mm-hmm. like it is yeah. you don't is, so you don't expect it is romeo and juliet in a right. lot of ways right and because like <laughs> the, think about the way the like the movie has these these mirrored relationships like between fox mm-hmm. and uh farrell like yeah. they they both um are uh passionate they are both lovingly connected to the women in their lives Right. Also, the women characters in the lives are arguably more uh, uh, have more control of their lives than they do. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. right! Like it, it is actually a very female empowered film. Oh, without a, a doubt, this has always been true with man's films. And I think that people like, yeah. like people this like is them. absolutely right. Yes. Right, and like uh, I think that all all the women in man's films like they're often like they're suffering because men can be morons in very specific ways. Yes, I have but to like suffer through very, your idiocy, right, which is right. probably what my wife has to deal with. Constantly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like like almost all of man's films are critiques of masculinity. Yes, you know? of course. And uh, and like there's there's there are good elements of masculinity, but there are lots of and not problematic toxic masculinity but just sort of like there are kinks and obsessions and things that men pits that fall men fall into all the time and he is interested in trying to look at that right and when you have these two like these these two characters between farrell and fox like the woman who is most important in their lives in each in each relationship is a stone cold professional right who cares about them and is worried that their uh their that their love for what they do might mess things up with fought with fox and uh with jamie fox's character and uh his girlfriend trudy like like he's saying to her like uh, you know like uh uh don't worry uh, like they're not going to get back to you and you'll be safe she's like this isn't about me being safe i'm fine this is about you risking too much to like, like you are putting yourself in danger and like, I, I have to like, you don't let yourself get so swallowed up by this that you start losing sight of what you're trying to do. 
you know, like I understand you care about Colin Farrell, but right. like we have a job to do. That's what we're doing. Right. And that's what she says. And then Gong Lee says basically the same thing to Colin Farrell. Like this, what we're doing is, is crazy. Like this is going to fuck up my business. Mm-hmm. Like we have to get control of this because this is just going to blow apart. Right. And so you have uh, like when the, it starts with the, the incredible line, like I'm a fiend for mojitos, right? I'm a fiend for mojitos. Like, and they go off in the uh, Gong Li and Colin Farrell go off on the speedboat trip to Havana, right? Like that. Mojitos. Like it's just that, it's, it, there's something so cheesy about that. Oh, that's thing. what's great. It's just like, like there's like it's so it's on the surface. It's like straight up Miami Vice nonsense, right? Yeah, like exactly. Play, he plays it like it's like it's almost like like uh, he, like there's a weird sense of disclosure about it. And like, and it's also in the, in like in the very, in the beginning of the movie, there's this one thing that I've noticed is that one of the first thing you see Colin Farrell do is he goes up to the bar and he orders a gin and tonic and two Girl. mojitos. Right. Right. And so he is drinking too much. Like right. it's really, really subtle. You don't know that he loves mojitos until later in the movie. But when you watch it again, you're like, Oh, those are both for him. Like he's getting a G and T for, uh, for, you know, uh, what's his face. That's it. Like he's, he's right. actually slamming. Right. And so like that one, when he finally says the line, like I'm a fiend from mojitos, like there's a weird little bit, like uh, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> like, like this is, you have an actual issue here. Right. And right. he is, uh, and he goes off with her from that moment. And for the next like half an hour, you are on this speedboat salsa dancing personal, uh, 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 journey with these two people uh, that like starts with like starts with a speedboat right uh, but ends up with this these real conversations about actually communicating and there are their real choices in their past in this really surreal Havana like that is a movie unto itself right right and when it comes back to the story like you're like whoa where the fuck where were we that was wild right and Jamie Foxx is like where were you? That was wild. <laughs> <laughs> right. And right. so because he does, because Colin Farrell does that, everything gets messed up on their investigation and it ends up putting Trudy Fox's wife, uh, girlfriend mm-hmm. in danger. And she's in danger in exactly the same way. John Hawks's wife was in danger. Right. So like from the opening scene, it's saying, this is the risk right here. And John Hawks' wife has paid the price and you will see. So you already saw the consequences of these actions. Like it's like for all the talk about, you know, how many loads of blah, 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 and all that stuff that is sticking to one statement over and over again through the entire film. And let's, I know you are doing something that's important to you, but if you let your passion take you away, it's only going to get more, uh, your life will fall apart. Right. Right. And so in the end of the movie, when he has to give up on Gong Li, he goes back. He goes back to this one of my favorite scenes. Like he leaves Gong Li, incredibly sad breakup, uh, and he goes back to the hospital. And he goes back. And to they the cut hospital, right there. And they cut right there before they even connect. Before they even see each other again, him and Fox. And yep. and I it cuts to black, right? Like, because you now know the choice. Like he's he has figured it out within himself. And the sort of symbolic payoff is that. Trudy lives. Trudy wakes up because Colin Farrell lets go of Gong Li. Like right. st- structurally, that's why that happens. 
like he has gotten his shit back together and has made and made a difficult but necessary choice. And I'm just like, that's they've unified into a single person again, right? And so it's about that divide, you know, uh, and it spreads as far apart as it possibly can be, and then comes back together while making a strong argument for either side. And it's just like that level of structuralism. Uh, you would never notice it because the filmmaking is so frenetic and crazy and there's action and there's DV cams and all this stuff. Like it's only after a couple of views do you go like, this is a really romantic stately movie with a very uh, uh, well-structured story. That's why it's getting me. And it really has something to say that Michael Mann himself believes in. The movie is an, ex- is an execution of his beliefs. Mm. And that's why this thing blows my mind. And like the corniness falls away. The more I watch it, just like it doesn't even occur to me that it's corny anymore because it's honest. It's emotionally real. And that's why it works. I'd say the same about a musical. Like, yeah, musicals are corny and they have nothing to do with reality. But if they're well done, it gets you you anyway. You buy into it. That's a good analogy. How many times have you seen it? I have probably seen that realistically over 30 times now. Okay. So it's the Titanic of South Florida. It's the Titanic of South Florida. Absolutely. Like it's, and the thing is like, but when I talk about Titanic, like Titanic is the the most extreme version of the same argument. Like it's like the reason why that movie works is because ultimately it is a structuralist action film. Like Titanic convinces you that is, it's, it's, this is a great, I'm glad you brought this up. It's actually awesome because Titanic works to me because it pretends to be a romance, but it's actually an action film. Whereas Miami Vice pretends to be an action film, but it's actually a romance. Like that is, and to me, that's preferable. I, I love Titanic. Went, but so no, this is part. one of the most important elements of fly tying. And this is a deer. Let me tale. ask you there. <laughs> so where does the domino <laughs> principle come in? Domino principle pretends to be a movie, but is a vacation for Gene Hackman. Yeah. It is. It is. It is, it is a right paycheck. It is a beach house. It is yes. called a beach house. Yes. 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 Oh boy. Yeah. That's that's the kind of movie that's so mediocre that it becomes art. <laughs> like you could, like that's like right the hot dog of hot dogs right there. It's just incredible. But, that's uh, what it is, though. Yeah. But, it's yeah. called a beach house. I wonder how much money they made. I was like, there's like, oh fuck, they lost a shitload of money on that film. <laughs> Dude, so, what was the general review, though? The general review when it came out was, I saw it. I was oh, when Miami Vice came out. Yeah. yeah, I wish. You know what? I think I might take your tack and just see, uh, just to kind of go and watch it again and again. Yeah, I, I promise that. Like, it's there's there's always a little bit more meat on the bone for that movie for me. It's just amazing, and like now it's like just that speedboat scene uh, when he rides off with Gong Li. It's just a work of art unto it, unto itself. Like you have this beautiful music playing that's building and building and building. And there's this, like what's being talked about is how much do you trust me? That's basically the argument that's being made, right? And when he decides to commit to what they're doing, uh, it's one of my favorite moments when he's just like, he reaches over and buckles her seatbelt for her. I'm like, this is amazing. Like this is, this is like, Okay. Oh, in the I'm, speedboat, right? In the speedboat. And before like, they go to get get the mojitos, you mean? Yeah, before yeah. they go get the mojitos, right? Yeah. And like, there's such a, there's so much trust on her part, 
and so much risk on his part. It's I fall in love with it every time it happens. But it's also a little bit mansplaining. Like she can figure out how to. Well, like she's like like because there's nothing to explain. Like he's you know like he's driving the boat. Like he's just saying I am committing to you. Like I understand that this is going to get crazy. So let's put our seatbelts on. You know. Uh, yeah, but she also is working for a guy that is really scary as fuck. Oh yeah, yeah, but she's kind of running the show. You she can is tell. The show. Like she's, she's like she's like the like, actual like she's the actual. Of course, person. I'm not talking about her intelligence. I'm talking about the guy that sits in the car with her. Yeah, like that. And, and was, that dude is so like fucking to say. Yeah, yeah to say. Oh, and she's also sleeping with him. So yeah, okay. You know, she needs help with the seatbelt. Well, about that. You know, no, she doesn't, well, that's what I'm saying is that she doesn't need help. She doesn't need help with the seatbelt. It is like, he's not doing it because like, she doesn't know enough to put it. It's a, a tender moment on. to show that he cares without kissing. It's, her. it's, it's saying like, I care about you, you and, go, and I am committed. To I care yeah. about you. And I really want to take a shower with you. Like my partner did earlier. In and the so, movie. well now, so yes. And so now you see into the shower, then I'm the two it. shower scenes are bookends of they're the same scene. Like they are the, they're the these same are, relationship. they're the same relationship. Here's different different aspects of the same relationship, and that's why he does that. Like it's like it's otherwise it would be uh, Michael Mann really likes shower scenes. I don't know, but like like one of one is absolutely passionate, and one they is really, really naked. Really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like it's just like the the sex scene with Jamie Fox is really is really funny. Great. Well, it's funny, right? It's funny. It's funny he in the fall, way he tends to fall asleep. I love. That. Oh, dude, it's the he's best. Such like, a great. It is comedian. like when he when uh, when uh, like he he like he pretends to have uh, an orgasm and then goes, "I'm just joking." Like this is something that only happens when you have been with someone for a very long time. You know, like these people. Yeah, I wonder if that's the thing about it. Like that, that's a relationship. That's not like. This yeah. is not a brand you new do, thing. You, you right. don't do that on a one night stand. Exactly. You know, and so like their their sex scene is about long term commitment and 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 like having a steady view of what's going on. And the sex scene for Colin Farrell is the opposite of that. Yes, it's like, the awkward the awkward part. Absolutely immediate, super passionate. They like barely figuring out what's going on. Like that's why you have these two scenes. You know, that's the reason that like I'm like. I'm 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 a pro sex scene guy anyway. I'm like put more sex scenes in movies. Like I'm, I hate this idea of having no sex scenes. Um that's become very popular. But certainly sex scenes that give me real elements of character like that and underscore what the movie's about. Yeah, give me those. Like that is spectacular. Yeah. So like all these all these elements of the movie, and even like I've gone as this is this is as crazy as I get. It's like the relationship between the crazy-eyed uh drug dealer guy. Like who's just staring to space robot, right? Like he is the Jamie Fox of the of that setup because his subordinate, um, who they initially think is the real drug dealer, like the guy with the beard, right? He that that guy is the Colin Farrell, right? There's like it has a mirrored relationship with the bad guy. There's the subordinate guy who's really passionate and in love with Gong Li, and then there's the organized guy who keeps to the business and doesn't let emotion fuck up anything. Right. And so, and, and uh, it fucks up there. They lose because their version of Colin Farrell uh, doesn't let go of Gong Lee. Mm. Right? It's the same story, but he, he fails the story and that's why he's killed. And meanwhile, 
Colin Farrell makes the right choice, lets go of Gong Li, and now everyone is healed. Like, that's structuralism 101. And I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, Plus, great gunfights. <laughs> well, who, who was the guy that, that died? Which guy was that for her? Or you, you said. Uh, so there's. Yeah, like there's the there's the two the on the drug dealer's side, right? There's the guy Donald, with the glasses. The guy with the glasses. The guy yeah. with the glasses is analogous to Colin Farrell. He is the Colin Farrell of the drug dealer side. And then the crazy bald guy who has shark That's eyes. That's why he didn't like him and he's like yeah. I don't like you. Yeah. Like he knows that like because that like the the bald guy, the head drug dealer, like is a machine. Like he has no emotions about this at all. And he fucking gets away. Which is my other favorite thing about the movie. They don't underscore at all. Like, like that dude just gets away. Yeah, but that's French Connection. Yeah, it's the greatest. Exactly. And French Connection, another great touch because French, French Connection is all about not keeping your fucking eye on the ball. Like, right. like he loses sight of what he is doing and a good, and, and a so cop Colin dies. Farrell is Popeye? Colin Farrell is Popeye. It's Popeye that pulls back just yeah. in time. God, God bless you guys for letting me rant on this movie. This movie is a very special thing to me, and I accept this. Well, as a great no, of course, that's why we're talking about it. And it was like this is, yeah. I saw the guy from The Wire in it. I love The Wire. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And I love that dude showing up. He's just like everybody, stay cool. <laughs> just like, like slow your roll. <laughs> like immediately no, 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 gives no. us the adult. The other guy from uh, the bald guy. Oh yeah, yeah. He was also in collab. I thought we were talking about the same guy, uh, but anyway, yeah. Like I love that guy, and I love the uh, uh, the Irish actor uh, who has a Japanese last name in the movie. I can't remember what the name is, but I was just like, that's really wild. Yeah, like it's just there's so much weird history implied with these guys. And you only get to see them when they're talking on rooftops about uh, you know uh, uh, techno bullshit. It's fantastic. And I would love this movie if only for the one of the greatest lines in cop movie history, when Colin Farrell says uh, he uh, makes the call early to get uh, on the line about John Hawks and says, "Patch me through to your sack." <laughs> <laughs> like, how many times do you have to read that line <laughs> before you do it with a straight face? <laughs> Patch me through to your sack. Patch me through to your sack. I assume you mean strategic something commander, I guess, SAC. But it works either way. <laughs> Patch me through to your sack. That yeah, I, I enjoyed it on the second round. I have to I'm say. glad to hear that. Excellent. I, I would I would recommend keep check out checking on the movie again. I bet you'll enjoy it even more. I I'd buy yeah. that. I'll watch it again. I'll I'll definitely watch it again. Now, here's the thing, right? Like, part of my strategy for this movie has been, like, if we watch it, then Dan will start stop talking about it. Uh, but I, I, it, you don't need to stop talking about it. <laughs> I try to – I hold myself <laughs> back all the time. I understand people have a lot of Miami Vice talk. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's really – it was uh, – <clears throat> if I'm going to – we definitely, I think Eric and I will definitely say we we are freely critique you, critique your choice of uh, Titanic. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but this one, I think I would say is like, no, that's legit. It's legit. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm very, I'm glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that. Uh, and it was not expected. Like I was like, 
really? You know, and it, I, I wasn't quite expecting like, you know, when they try to do the, the rock in Baywatch, like, but mm-hmm. I was almost expecting that. Right. Right. You know well, that's because I mean? that's the wrong form of self self seriousness, right? Like right. that's like that's like that's just Michael Bay level, you know. Sort of like look at these cool dudes and the slow motion, you know. It's just like there's only right. so much you get out of that, right? Yeah. But uh, but this movie, like all the movies we talk about here, and also how we I think feel about movies is like this movie believes what it's saying and loves what it's saying, and sure. it's it's there because it's passionate about it. And, uh, and that's all you really need for me. As long as I feel like you are, are fucking excited then I'm excited for you. Right. And, and that's just the way it's going to work. Like, this is how I feel about when I talk about any movie with anybody, if they love the movie, man, like I'm not going to fucking try and deflate that balloon. <laughs> like that's what movies are for. Like right. fall in, fall in love with it. And it, it, you know, when either when people are talking about it or people make it, make a movie with that much love, I will, I will, I will always, uh, I, I will get quite romantic about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was interesting. And, and I, I'm really glad I watched it. I'm really glad I watched oh, I'm it. I'm so, so pleased. I'm so pleased. And I think it's a great combo with, uh, with good, the bad, the ugly in a very weird way. Yeah. It was funny. It was like, like, it was like, well, it was, it was funny because then we said, it's like, Hey, let's, you know, what do we do as a theme? And it's like, well, let's do birthday films. And I think that was Eric's suggestion. Let's do birthday films. And then I said, I? Oh, yeah, I think you were the one who said that. And I said, well, obviously we got to do Miami Vice. And I was like, well, what do I, what do I want to, what do I want to pair that with? And I just thought it was like a movie that I watch whenever, whenever it's on, I'm like, that's, I'm going to watch the rest of this. Yeah. And that was uh, the good, good and bad, and bad and the ugly. Man. Like, to, to the point where we both confess, like, we've seen this movie just out of order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the lion's share of the, of the time. I'm just like, I un- I know this is good and the bad and the ugly, but I'm not sure how which part of it is. Well, it's <laughs> the thing. I was like, I was like, I thought this was at the end, but there's still 90 minutes left in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's really wild, dude. It's really wild. What about this movie and this movie and this movie on top? It's like a Dagwood sandwich. You're just yeah. like, yes. <laughs> wow, look at you, Dagwood sandwich. Dagwood. Mm-hmm. That's uh, is that an East Coast thing? That is uh, yeah, I think so, right? It Boston is definitely World very thing. East Coast, uh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. East, East, I don't know people out there. But, they, uh, like, but there was, there, wasn't there a restaurant near DD called Dagwoods? Yeah, there was a uh, sandwich shop called Sandwich Dagwoods. shop yeah. called yeah. Dagwoods, and they had pizza there too. Yeah, and that's uh, and also this connects all the way back around. Dagwoods' wife in the comic strip of the name Blondie, also oh. the name of Clint Eastwood. Yeah, in the good Blondie, the Blondie. You son of a credits. That's totally also Rango. They took Rango, Rango oh. took that. Oh yeah, good God. God bless. I fucking love it. So good. Yeah, what a yeah, what a picture. What a picture. What a picture, what kid. A picture. What a picture. Well, well I feel like we're wrapping up on a beautiful uh episode. We, we were wrapping up on a beautiful that episode. Good. That was lovely. Yeah. It was great. It was great. We'll do a we'll probably do a uh, watch party next week. Uh, but I appreciate everyone being on. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And thank you for sharing Miami vice with us. Oh, God bless you guys for taking a look at that one. I know that I, I joke about it all the time, but it's close to my heart. Miami vice. (laughs) All right. 
All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, you guys ready to close this out? Let's do, Let's it. do it. All right. Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.